Yes, it's money time, baby. We just had a chock full pod of best bets. Best bets. We got one from Fez. He goes, this is better than what I gave my clients. And he goes, well, it's extra. It's extra. And it's like, all right. But the clients get four XFL games. By the way, undefeated. Five. 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 Undefeated lifetime. And he, and he has the ball. You'd think he'd have one pick this week to extend it. No. He says, bring it on. All right, a couple things going on here. Sleepy Jay, who is, he's beloved. He's part of the family. Years ago, was on the forums, banging around, doing a good job. Came out to Vegas, lived here, and is a part of the team. And uh, I don't like to say beloved, but okay. He's been red hot. Red, red hot. Now, how good is Sleepy doing? Well, listen, 50 units Plus in the NBA. 15? 50. 5 0? Half a 50? A, you ever hear 50 cent? Yeah. That, but a little bit more. And not cents, units Damn. this season. And we got a special offer just from for Sleepy. And we got offers for everyone. But here it is for Sleepy, who, again, we love. Beloved. NBA plus college basketball. So you get all those picks through the NBA finals. So that's February, March, April, May, and June. For $249. Now, that sounds crazy. Like, how could that be? It just is. And here's the special coupon. You can get it for $199, $50 off. This is Dream Preview only. Season 50 is the coupon. Fez is writing it down. Season 50. S-E-A-S-O-N-5-0. I might buy this. I, I'm, I'm telling you, the guy's a grinder. He's been doing it for years with us. This is as hot as he's been. Now... He is this right? Yeah, his his college basketball is up almost forty units. I mean, it's yeah, this is good. And and for two hundred, it's what is it, fifty bucks a month? I mean, if you think there's value, now is the time. Special, all access all the way through the NBA Finals. Now, the season fifty works for anyone. So if you want, hey, Sleepy's nice, but f Sleepy, all right? He's a veteran. If you want to say that, you can. He was former Marine. I think once a Marine, always a Marine. Right? Yeah. So a Marine. Yeah, I wouldn't say it. Also but, in the Army. Yeah, he he was he, he said, double dipped. I, I know he went Marines first. I think, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. All right, so he wasn't a was he a Marine when he was in the army? If once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he knows. All right, everyone else you can use two with this same season fifty. And by the way, now what are the options out there? You can get the second half of the NBA season through the finals for some people. You can get college hoops through March Madness, through the championship game. You can get NBA and college. You can get XFL from Fez, undefeated. Except hockey, Seidenberg. He's, his records dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> After tonight's 3-0 lead, he gave up. I know. It's only, I'm only going to be up 42 units. Oh, listen, listen. Oh that we're, there's a trend. We're talking trends later. <laughs> so season 50... Football's over, except for XFL and such, and USFL after that, right? Yes. They're like in succession. There's a lot of football. This is spring. If you're a, a piker, yeah, go take a rest till August. But if you're going to be gambling pretty much, you don't have to bet every day, but if you're gambling pretty much every or every week, let's say, if not multiple times, season 50, nice discount, enjoy. We got a specially jam-packed show, so enjoy that too. The Super Bowl has been over for a while, but I'm still a little hungover. But March Madness is coming soon edition. 
We got a full house here. Faz returns. He's to my mid-right, to my far-right, A.J. Hoffman, a political aficionado, <laughs> strong takes, and we have Scott Seidenberg. He's got my vote. <laughs> what election is that? <laughs> and I'm R.J. Bell. We got a jam-packed show for you. We're in off-season mode, but we're going to be a little different this off-season, and that's going to be a lot of emphasis on the NFL. But also, we're going to be kind of pulling back the curtain as we learn and do new things. Like the XFL, for example, has uh, undefeated in the XFL since... Two- Did you bet the XFL in 2001 or whenever it was going? 2021. Yeah, 2001 I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, so you've never lost an XFL. I've never lost an XFL. I'm 9-0-1. So you're going to just sit on that record? for? Because remember, you were you had a time on Straight Out of Vegas... Uh, national that you uh, or on Fox, I guess we were to say, is you were I think 15 straight winners. Yes, and then you didn't have a pick for like three months. Lean, yeah, lean, lean to the Blue Jays tonight. And then finally, <laughs> finally, he said, "Screw it, man! My next pick, Portland over the Lakers in the bubble." Mm. So what were they like? Plus 375 or something? Plus yeah, they won the first game. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, that was. Then. I think you're thinking of New Jersey over the Lakers and Kobe. And Portland lost a series 4-1, and I took Portland. I can't recall which one it was. All right. But so. but it, he went from not wanting to risk it to putting a huge underdog on it. Well, history repeats itself because I have five, count them, five XFL wow. picks up for week two. So maybe maybe you uh, you think maybe give one out at the end of the pod? You think? I, I'm not only going to give one out. I'm going to give an improvement on my pick. I'm going to play derivative on my pick. I'll still give that okay, out with a okay. derivative bonus. Wow. But you better make sure to give that to your clients, too. Yes. Because the clients get everything. I yes. mean, if they want to come for breakfast on Christmas morning, they do at the Fez Mansion. All right. What else are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the NFL and specifically a, a spat of new younger coaches, maybe too young, Scott Seidenberg says. Also, we're going to talk a little bit of how do you look at the financial side of the NFL and help you predict wins and losses. And with my finance degree, I'm going to spend a little bit of energy on that one. Also going to talk college basketball. March Madness is right around the corner. Last week, AJ had the teams that disappointed. North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Villanova. Now it's a team that have the teams that surprised, that's exceeded expectations. We got four of those. And it's going to be a future bet every week up until March Madness. It's a different future bet from AJ. What was your future last week? Creighton, 25 to 1. How's their odds right now? Uh, 25 to 1. Not moving markets. Not moving. Yet. Didn't help that they shit the bed last night. Yes. Ooh. And then. <laughs> Now I told I gave my pick out, TCU, mm. little TCU. What's, what's healthier that? TCU? Squad. Yeah, exactly. What's those odds? I want to say thirty-three to one. Why don't you check it out? I I'll think they're getting out. better. Well, they lost their last game. That's fine. They lost his favorites against Kansas. Yeah, so yeah, they lost to the best team t- in the country. But they shot and they didn't shoot. They, they shot bad from three. I, I I heard a little bit of that game. Thirty to one. So they've improved. Even though they lost. They've improved even though they lost. Mm, I wonder if I had anything. How hot would that be? TCU makes the playoffs in football and basketball, the Final Four. Ooh, I didn't remember that. Uh-huh. What's, a name, uh, what's his name, the TCU football coach? 
Gary Patterson. Well, no, not a Gary Patterson. Yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always root for him because I had dinner with him a couple years ago. <laughs> and it was like he knew his football. We were going to do a whole podcast. He's probably too big now, but he was going to do a podcast series like mm. X's and O's. Somehow I think that ship has sailed. And <laughs> but though Patterson deserves a lot of credit. I mean, yeah. he really built that built program, program up, no doubt. And also, let's see. Oh, a little NHL talk, but it's going to be couched in the following way. We all know that Scott loves trends. Oh, my God. He had one left-handed quarterback with red hair playing a game east of the Mississippi. What was that trend? Yeah, you know, it's like 7-1 and one ATS. <laughs> but, but as time has passed, he's gotten— Only more, in the red state. <laughs> he's gotten more—red <laughs> head. <laughs> Only more skeptical— and I like that. So he's going to come to us each week mostly, if we don't forget, and say, what about this trend? I like it. You guys can punch a hole in it. Now, Fez punches a hole in my trends. Though he's often not correct, he, he'll he say, wait a minute, that feels arbitrary. Maybe. I like the trend. You, you know, I like the, hey, this is the theory. And then boom! You want the plays trend that's out. so obvious, someone would have certainly discovered it by now. I don't. I don't like the butterfly wing trend where, like, it's hard to explain why you know these factors but result see, in the cover. And I know in Wall Street, yes, that's yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, everyone doesn't hear every episode, but fair enough. As thanks for deciding if I should tell a story. <laughs> but I, I do think, I do think that here's the thing. There's statistical significance, which is hard to get in the NFL just because there's not enough games, right? So now the question is, if something has pure common sense and there's no trend behind it, you still like it. Meaning, if you think there's a logic to something, hey, this team had to stay overnight here, they're going to be tired, whatever. Mm. There's no trend on that, but you still bet it, right? Right. And then there are, in theory, trends, maybe in baseball or, or maybe baseball, where there's enough volume that you can say, hey, we can debate it, but the numbers are statistically significant, so there's not really a debate, right? Team comes back off a long road stage. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, meaning if there's a it's trend bad. that actually— or I think the zigzag's a good example it, It's that. a great example. That's something that's been proven to be true, but now the market's adjusted to it, so you can't take advantage of it as much or at all, but it's still something that is a proven fact— and I don't even know if that's statistical significance. It's just everyone agreed one day, and, and now the market adjusts. I think in between, if the numbers are big enough, but not statistically significant, you not understanding the logic might, as long as it's not counterintuitive, mm-hmm. right, in a weird way. Because, like, I'll get, something I've been doing lately, you know something? This is the main hockey talk. We'll start with this. Whoa. I like this. Whoa. Because, because it's not really hockey. It's, oh, it's wow. trend talk. Yes. You've never yeah. led with the hockey in anything. It's not even, I don't even know what a puck is. I don't give a puck about hockey. Oh, if you did a Miracle on Ice show back Ooh. in 1980, you might Today have. is the anniversary, by the way. Is it really? Yes. Does anyone want to do, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> Yes. Still can't believe Ken Dryden stepped on his uh, call. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, it's, it's still. He goes, stood... he goes, it's over. <laughs> the Americans are relying a little bit too much on Craig right now and go and wait, Aruzioni. Damn, there's some old timers here. They remember. I don't remember. All right. So, <laughs> except Scott, you weren't even born, were you? <laughs> no. All right. February so, 22nd, 1980. Fez was in college. Tape delay, RJ. We, we wasn't even live. You had to watch the tape delay. Well, but that was because with no internet, no one could find out the score. <laughs> well, you think they would have let Al Michaels? Maybe Al Michaels didn't do that live. He mm. came in and, and did a little tape, <laughs> like an, an overdub. 
He did that for the uh, the Miracle movie. He redid his play-by-play, mm. but they kept in the original final call. Oh, okay. Oh, so that makes sense. He redid the whole play-by-play of the game uh-huh. for the movie, yeah. and then it goes from him sounding crystal, crystal clear in a microphone to then the old... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should know. have that AI. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, but I like that, that, yeah. they, that they had the original call with Dryden stepping on him. You know, Fez can actually do various Rocky ones where it's like... Well, Vegas has him a uh, 15 to 1 underdog and, and even to go three rounds. Can Rocky go three? Because Vegas says no. <laughs> I, I just like when one wolf goes, look at the size of that Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Was I in the locker room? I mean, <laughs> the, the thing. The, <laughs> what was that guy's name? Cogbringer? Uh, Cogbringer. Yeah. <laughs> I had him laughing for 20 <laughs> He goes, Not 20 minutes. It's like been a week. Yeah. He's still laughing about it. Yeah. He goes, but then he goes, then he goes you're saying what everyone's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just a simple guy. <laughs> I was looking at the New York Times archive for something that's actually betting related, and it came up. M- Mickey Mantle and uh, Maris, it was like in August of 60, they said Vegas has even money. That one of them beats the babe. So, like, there was odds on that back in, All was right. it 60? Yeah, I think it was. Or 61. 61. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 61 and 61. That's, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. With an asterisk. You know, Billy Crystal made a great movie about it. Is that is that how you know it? Is <laughs> no. that, you want to hear something funny. Jonas Knox, you know, who was longtime co-host with me on Straight Out of Vegas Fox, is... He knew sh- more about sports than most anyone. I mean, he was in the top tier of, like, this guy lived it. And Mackenzie, oh, Mackenzie's mic's off again. It's just coincidental. We didn't want that for sure. But he, and then one time I was talking about Mickey Mantle. We were talking about it. And I said, yeah, that was a shame. They had an asterisk beside his name. He goes, what are you talking about? And I, I told him, he goes, I never heard of that. It was like, that seems like a real weird hole when you're, like, if, if I said, this guy knows more sports than anyone I've ever met. Like, there's literally a movie called 61 Asterisk. That's like, what I'm saying. <laughs> it just goes to show you. You never know. Right? Well, 154 versus 162. Yeah. But then do? why does it not apply to everything? Because it was Babe. Of course. And imagine if he was black, Roger Mary. He just wasn't the Babe, and yeah. he was getting prejudiced mm-hmm. against. I mean, And he <laughs> also wasn't Mantle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, he, he never had a good year after that, did he? Maris? Yeah. No. And he really didn't have a good year before that. No. You think he was juicing? Yeah. A lot of amphetamines back Brady Anderson. Greenies, they call him. <laughs> Greenies, yeah. <laughs> right. Pilots were taking him. <laughs> Ted Williams. All right. So let's talk trends. And the thing I think, let me pose the following to you, Fez, conceptually. You know what's really reassuring about betting? If you bet 11 to 10 and you bet blind, you're only losing, what, 4.6%. 4.54. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Five, is, um, Round it up. It's- all right. So if, I, if it were 10 trends out there that were strong, let's say 63 percenters with some decent volume, but they weren't, none of them were logical to you. None of them. And I told you half of these are right, half of these are legit. God came down and said half of these are legit, half are irrelevant, just randomness. So half of them are 55% plus and half of them are coin flips. Exactly. Doesn't that mean you play those? Yes. 
because you don't know which one of the ten yeah, are but good. You, but you know in aggregate. If I got five really kick-ass bets and five coin flips, that's fine. Yeah. So isn't that maybe a way to think about these trends? You know, I never heard it expressed that way, but maybe so. I never thought about that. So RJ, pulling back the curtain, yeah. so after hours all the time, RJ will say, well, this is like a 99.9% statistically significant that this is a winning trend. And I'll respond, but if we query a thousand random trends, you know, that are truly coin flips, one of them is going to pop out as being 99.9% sure to be a winner. You know, it's so it all depends on how much volume are you actually searching for the redheaded quarterbacks east of the Mississippi. I agree. I agree. And, and I think, if anything, less volume is better in general. I do think, though, the idea of poo-pooing trends when, in truth, they could be right. And here's the thing. If you like the game anyway— you know, let's just say for the sake of argument, if you had no VIG, let's keep it even simpler. Someone's offering you no VIG, mm-hmm. and and you had ten of these trends uh, that God didn't come down and tell you anything, but like they're like they all kind of meet the level, but you're not sure. They're not super logical. I I don't know. Part of me feels like that that trends that all anyone really can do with a handicap is take the past and move it forward and is and that's what a trend does and right? your extreme example is you walk by roulette wheel and you see and you for the everyone's listening they know this story you see 28 blacks and three reds uh-huh. and you have to bet all right you're told you have to yeah, bet well you bet. have to be out of your mind to bet red because it's either well, black is either 50 well it's either 50 percent or the wheel has something structurally wrong with it yeah yeah so i don't know i'm gonna i i think in general there's a lot of Here's what people want to do. They want to differentiate themselves. There's a glutted market now. There's not a lot of people that's been around for decades. So they got a different, hey, I've been betting since blah, blah, blah. And usually they want to poo-poo the past. Because if you're new, you want to poo-poo everyone that came before you. You're different. You're better. And I think the trend stuff has reason to be poo-pooed because there are those goofy eight and three kind of trends. Mm-hmm. But maybe not even goofy. Maybe they're just not significant, right? And I do think in general, ask yourself, what handicap could you have, Fez, that isn't effectively a trend? When you say, first game back, you know, one of my handicapping factors, they got to do the mail. They got to go to the dry cleaner. They got to do whatever. It's like, well, that's a, if you did the research and had the numbers, you'd have a trend. Right? Wife wants that light bulb changed, even though it's snowing in Vegas outside the house, because you know what? The house is just not safe with that light out by the front door. Are you telling a story from your life? Today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now what we're going to do is Fez will probably be more of a skeptic. I'm going to be more believing. Let's hear this week's trend that Scott thinks is significant. So road underdogs mm-hmm. on the second night of a back-to-back. Okay. This is hockey. Now, don't yes. tell us if it's good or bad yet. Okay. Road underdogs. This is hockey. It mm-hmm. has pucks, right? Yes. All right. And it's the second and night ice. of a back-to-back. So, Fez, I'm seeing fatigue is a main factor here, and you're an underdog. Which I'm thinking you might want to bet against them in the second half. Maybe. Are they dogs in both games or just the second game? Just worried about the second game. Okay. Right okay. Right. I'm thinking this is anti the dog. Correct. All right. So what is it? 52 and 106. All right. 52, 106. And that's on average, the lay price is going to be about 110 on these? No, it's, it could be way higher. Now, I did a tightener mm-hmm. to make them plus 200 dogs. Well, I guess by definition, these dogs are going to be underdogs. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So I tightened it by saying, what if you are, like, let's make them a, a dog of plus 200 or more. Mm-hmm. Eight and 27. All right. 
So, so here's the question: Can you get numbers on like what the dollar figures are instead of just a record? Like what the net, net, uh, what the return is? Yeah. Return? So where RJ is going here is that it's fifty-two and one hundred six. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do mm-hmm. my best here to. I, I'm guessing the average road dog in hockey is not that high. I'm going to say like plus one eighteen, and I'm also guessing that the market is going to price the fatigue of a back-to-back as being worth. I probably twenty two cents. So I'm going to think that the average team in this situation is going to be plus one forty. So we got the average line is one seventy five point four and wow. minus two hundred nine point two. So one seventy five is the dog. So I'm way, yeah. I'm way I'm way off on my estimate. Okay. All right. All right. So so what we're saying is if we kind of go with the no vig line there, you're saying plus two what? One seventy five and one seventy five point four. Yeah, and minus two hundred nine point two is the average lines. All right, so we got thirty five. So we got to go seventeen cents. So one ninety two. Yes. Okay. So one ninety two divided by two point nine two. All right, let's do this. I have the ROI here, and the so it's not that good. Yeah, it's a fourteen percent ROI. One ninety two. Now wait. Oh no, no plus two percent ROI, minus fourteen percent on the on the underdogs. Okay, so you're saying it's a two percent? Yeah, so I think right there, this is a good, this is a great lesson. Mm-hmm. I think where whenever you have a non minus one ten minus one ten sport, right, and spread, so a non spread sport might be the way to say baseball and hockey. You got you got it, huh? Now, Fighting. Yeah, you got to know what the lay price is whenever you're looking at straight up records. So, I looked at for this trend, how do these teams do on the puck line? The minus a goal and a half, the plus a goal and a half, minus mm-hmm. a goal and a half. Now that I think is interesting because I think the theory of the fatigue is once they get down, they kind of give Business up. Business decision. Yeah, they give up. Of those 106 losses by the teams that are underdogs on the road on the second of a back-to-back, 78 of them have been by two or more goals. All right, so 78 out of the 150. Mm-hmm. Okay. Out of the 106. That out of the 106. Oh, but but really, yeah. effectively. You're right. You're yeah. right. The 150. Yeah. But 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 to like to put this in perspective, Scott. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you tell me a team wins, mm-hmm. they're going to win by more than two, by two or more, more than one, but not by some extreme amount. Maybe only, I'm guessing two thirds of the time. And here it's 80 percent, something like that. It's 80 percent that they. It's a two. It's it's they cover the minus. The favorite covers the minus a goal and a half. But how about the whole universe of hockey games? Oh, uh, I, I would guess it's only about two thirds. I, I would guess one third of hockey games land on one this season, because every overtime game lands on one. Well, we could just look yeah. at the strat, whatever the straddle is between the two prices. Yeah, that's a good point. So, real quick, back back to mm-hmm. the, back to this. So now the question becomes: Well, what's the take back on the minus one and a half? Are they getting plus money because it's forty nine point three percent? No, it's just it's mitigating your no, lay no. price. Yeah, I think on I average, was, I think on average, if I know how hockey straddles work, I think you're going to be getting plus money. All right. Well, on average, if the average, by a if the average is 192, so maybe just, let's look at two or three hockey and see what the minus price is and what the non-minus price is, and see what that straddle is. Right. So look up a minus 190 and just see on the puck line. I would and guess. What's the, what's the conversion of the puck? I line would guess the minus one half is going to be like plus a buck. 15 or something. All right. So right. let's say t- tomorrow, the Lightning yeah. are minus 225 on the money line. All right. They're plus 105 on the minus a goal and a half. Okay. So so, so if a two, minus 225 is plus money, then a minus 190 is going to be like plus 125. No, Fez, let's think about this. If As the price – okay, you're right because it's flipping the other side. Right. All right. So if we say 10 – because remember, he said it was 209. So if we say another 15 cents, yeah, you're going to say about plus 118, plus 120, you're saying? Yeah. 
All right, so you're hitting 49.3% on a plus 120. Pretty that, strong. That's pretty strong. Yeah, the ROI here is 44.8%. Now, what I would do, and maybe— Boom, we, we just went from a 14 to a 44 ROI, but <laughs> betting the same team. Yeah. <laughs> now, what I would say— so or really, 2% to 44. If we explain this mathematically, we would, and again, not trying to do it purely like a professor, because I'm not, is this is the tail, the tail event is fat on the side of the underdog losing by more because the fatigue in theory. Right, and I I, I want to bet the alternative minus two and a half also, probably because of that fat tail that's going to like extend out to the right. So 53 of those 106 losses have been by greater than two goals. So what I would that's say— That's a 43.1—well, for... well, that I don't know what the line would be on the— Minus two and a half, you know. So what I would probably say probably another hundred cents on the ne- on the next for next week, or maybe mm-hmm. we'll tease it straight out of Vegas AM for those that don't listen. Check it out. But in the next day or two, let's say Friday morning show, you guys can do if you don't mind, just interject when you talk hockey. Take a look at the different lay prices on these dogs. My gut feeling is you want to have it be more than a compet. Like I, I don't want like a plus one ten dog. Right, mm-hmm. or I don't want a favorite laying one thirty or whatever, but I don't want him laying three thirty because I think if you're up, I think you come in flat sometimes. Even if the team's tired and you're a big favorite, you probably don't look to extend it. You feel like you're in total control. I think the middle ground. I think above plus one fifty, but less than two twenty. I, I got a feeling that you want a minus two hundred. Yeah, I want. I want it where you you're the, clearly the better team, but, but you're not you going to take lose. it easy. Yeah, I think that might be. Uh, I, I think that might be the um, what's this, Michael and Toronto? <laughs> sweet spot. Yeah, the sweet spot. Now Mackenzie put something on the board. What what's this mean, McKenzie? Michael and Toronto. Oh, he's the ho- we're oh, talking hockey. He likes hockey. <sighs> yes, Michael, we did that for you. This now, is you, this now, is your segment. For all the hockey haters out there, I apologize, Michael. Should not the same logic apply to the NBA? Couldn't we do the same query on a back-to-back for an NBA team? Why is it just because the game's on ice? It's different than if it's on hardwood. No, it's an interesting question. At minimum, even if it's not profitable, if it, it's directioning like that, that would encourage me yeah. that the concept is applicable. Mackenzie, you want to try that? All right. All right. That's uh, hockey for the year. That was good. <laughs> I, Thank you, guys. I'll see you soon. <laughs> I did it. I did, I did it. <laughs> what was it? It was the seventh game. When there's a seventh game of a Stanley Cup, I would do 45 seconds. Yeah. That's so, it. You know. You like the under. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk NFL. No, so next week, let's do another one of those. Mm-hmm. I thought that was instructive. And I, li- I like this trend. This trend makes a lot of sense. And I like, the t- I like RJ's tail, like, like, like yeah, I extending find out when, that fat tail out there. The thing I think that I've been thinking about more, and, and AJ's had some stuff that I thought wrong, ran, ran contrary to that, is if you say this team's really bad against the run, and I expect this team to run all over them, it doesn't usually happen like that. They usually compensate so much that now the weakness comes somewhere yep. else. And I think this might be similar. If they're too big of a favor, they're going to be coming in lax. They're not going to look to blow them out. Mm. You, you see, And what happens in those games where there's a big favor that's lax, they win tight ones, mm-hmm. right? So maybe maybe there's something here in that sweet spot. Um, you know, Fez, I did some other work. I'll bring it in next week. I looked at every team, every coaches, every coach – in the NFL that's active, and every coach that's actually coached since 2012, what is their standard deviation of results? <coughs> mm-hmm. Meaning if you just look at the margin of victory, how much does that vary? And here's what I found that's pretty wild, is the most extreme cases in both cases are bad. 
It's like if you have a really low standard deviation, it means you're not playing high enough, at least my opinion. You're not playing high variance in games. You should play high variance. Mm -hmm. You're just like one of those teams that runs the ball. They have a lot of close games, but they lose a lot of close games, right? Then that super high variance teams, I think it's just they don't have enough discipline and they have had those coaches are like if you look at those coaches, it's no great coaches. Mm. All the great ones are in the middle two thirds, like more than two thirds of them. But here's what's wild: if you had to guess, would a great coach have a slight? Let's say he's in the 70th percentile or the 30th of standard deviation, meaning he's a little uh, one step more uh, variance or one step less variance than average. Where would you think the best coaches are? So obviously. Before you asked the question, I would have said less variance. Yeah. So the obvious answer yeah. is that he has more variance. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the slightly more variance, it's like Belichick, but it's Andy Reid. It's like Maybe all it's, the... You know what? Maybe like I go back to the New England Charger playoff game where they like scored like every possession and they took the ball and they like like maybe these coach they have that variance because the really good coaches can just find one glaring problem with their opponent every now and then they just pound them that's an interesting point it, it could be because it's not necessarily the team's variance it could be the other team's variance mm -hmm. right if, if there is that weakness in a bad coach but um i i think with i mean if you look at the differences i'm going by memory now um and i'll have it next week it's about seven points was the standard deviation if i remember right and um the difference though between what the average one standard deviation was the average coach to like the outer bounds on each side was I if I'm remembering right the low coaches was about five points of variance and the high coaches were upwards of twelve or thirteen. So don't tease against Andy Reid and Belichick. Well, and no, I think it's being equal because they have a little more volatility. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I'm saying don't tease on them or against. I mean, yeah. I think yes. more volatility is bad for teasers, right? Yeah, and and I could certainly see both ways because I could see that Andy Reid doesn't care if he's going to lose by twenty. You know, he's going to go for it on fourth and ten, whereas these bad coaches like. Or, or 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 the Chargers coach probably fits Ooh, that bill. Where'd you find this list? I I did the work. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I'd love to see it because like just having that information, like on no knowing which teams have high variance to avoid betting teasers in, would be valuable. Yeah, yeah. I bet I bet you would. I bet you would. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll present it and, and send it out next week. Um, but I agree with you a hundred percent, and I agree with you, AJ. It, it, it's interesting. I was just trying to figure what not only the teaser side, but also. What makes a good coach? What makes a good team? And I would have guessed low variance. Yes. You know, but I think you're right. Because the other side of it is not only do you exploit the team that's bad, maybe, but also that's exploitable. Why'd you wreck it? Because it's wreckable. Do you don't you know, Gordon Gecko? Of course. <laughs> Gordon, do you, why do you have to destroy my arrow? <laughs> do you think 10 years ago this the same thing would have been the case? Like, do you think Belichick and Reed would have fallen where they fall on the spectrum now? And do you think that low variance would have been better then? No, but I, I would think, if anything, Belichick would have been more extreme because I think the league's caught up to Belichick in regards to being aggressive on fourth down and oh, stuff. Yes. Because, I mean, remember, he's the first one to ever yeah. do that in that, yeah. that Colts game, which was the whole country was thinking he was an idiot. So, you know, there you go. Um, NFL, let's continue. Uh, what do you think, Fez? What's your what talk? Because we just did something with Scott. Scott's well, we'll make it the beginning of the show. Scott <laughs> is you've got a take on the youth movement in the NFL. Yeah, I think that 
We've seen this in Major League Baseball over the past you know, maybe five to ten years where there's been this movement away from the old school manager that has all the experience, former you know players that just go through the, the uh, baseball lifers, if you will, right? Guys that have gravitas, that command respect from— Dusty from their, Yeah, they're few and far between, right? They're dying out. The Buck Showalters of the world are rare, and what— team started doing was hiring these young yes men that are players coaches roughly the same age or just a little bit older than some of these players and decisions are made on an organizational basis as opposed to the uh, the manager coaching with his gut we're seeing that now in the NFL there's been a youth movement with coaches being hired that don't have experience being head coaches not at really any level these are guys that came up either as uh, assistants, uh, coaches in the analytical departments or whatever, analysts, and then they become coordinators, play callers, and now they're leading 53 men now as you, a head coach. You would prefer to have a pre- previous player, someone with, with hands-on experience. I would prefer to have, yes, a former player that has commanded a locker room as the captain of a team, like a D'Amico Ryans. Because I think D'Amico Ryans is the exception to the rule of guys that don't have experience that are first-time head coaches. But I look at the Jonathan Gannons, Shane Steichen, even go back to hires last year, Matt Eberfluss, and I see guys that are just destined for failure. They are not going to uh, Nathaniel Hackett. They're not going to succeed at this level because – I just don't see them walking into a room and commanding the attention and respect of a team. And I think that when decisions are made too much from in uh, uh, the top down an organizational thing, rather than a coach who has experience making these decisions, I don't think that it's a recipe for success. So you'd never you, hire a woman is what you're telling me. If she was, I mean, uh, no, but that, that, she hasn't played in the NFL. Well, by no, that but same, I would hire Becky Hammond to be the head coach of my NBA hell yeah. team. Hell yeah, Becky Hammond is. She's coached for years. She's got incredible experience as a player. Well, I, they, yeah, that's a that's a great example. But because if Becky, someone, Becky Hammond, because she played at Colorado State and she was such a star with you know with, with the stars but, in the WNBA career, but she had that opportunity. Women in football don't have that opportunity. That's that's why it's an apples to oranges conversation. Well, by that measure, then you never hire Kyle Shanahan. You never hire Sean McVay. But at least Shanahan had a pedigree well, and uh, let, was let me, let me see if I can make your case in mm-hmm. a slightly different way. I think what he's saying is this. There's only a couple way to, ways to gain the gravitas that's required to stand in front of that room. One of them is through years as a coordinator. Belichick never played in the NFL. But Belichick was a young coach. Lawrence Taylor was listening to him like he was mm-hmm. Buddha. Because he, and this is what Mike Lombardi says all the time. These guys want to get better. They don't care if, if you're green, black, blue, a woman. If you can make them better, they make more money. And they want to make more, you know, like anyone else wants to make yeah. more money. So I think that what he's saying is if you're young, maybe if you're a former player, you could have that gravitas to get in front of the room and gain attention. But if you're not a former player and you're young, it's hard to get there. Is and that better, fair to say? Yeah, unless you have a resume, unless you've been you groomed. You can't get a resume being that young. By definition, yeah. Unless you do something like Belichick, and you you're you're an assistant but under he, under one of the greatest for a long time. Yeah, but we're, remember now, most of yeah. coaching happens, as you know, from the assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. So there's a range of years of that too. Like there's a 30 year old assistant, you might think no one wants to pay attention. Well, they will if they think they got something to say that's going to help them. So I think in general, his point is. We got a lot of, but here's what I'm confused about your point. Do you think it's because the front office wants more control? 
They want they mm. want a puppet. Because that's what it sounds like you're saying. I think I think that's something to do with it. I think general managers want more control of, of the team. Now, Howie Roseman's an example. Very hands-on, mm-hmm. they talk about. Um, uh, Casario, is that how you say his Casario. name? Casario. Out of Houston. He apparently has headsets on during the game. A GM that has headsets on. You should have told Lovey Smith to lose. <laughs> Quit these good plays. <laughs> so that's there's an example where they obviously want. Mm-hmm. You know, they want. I mean, one of the reasons I guess there was consternation at Philly before they, uh, you know, f- went with Sirianni was the idea that they had a weekly meeting, and 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 how he wanted to talk every week about what's happening this week. You know, a lot of people don't like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is interesting that the best teams seem to have hands-off owners and, and, and more G. I mean, like, Steelers are the great example. Andy Rooney or the Rooneys aren't getting involved in quarterback, typically, who's starting this week. Yeah, and, and it's it's always good when the average football fan doesn't know the name of the general manager. Yeah. You know, how many, how many, what's, yeah. does the average football fan knew what Kevin Colbert did for the Steelers all well, those when years? you win that much, you kind of get in the Okay, way. maybe, but, <laughs> but, but it's, it, you hear the names of the general managers that are more active and uh, maybe overbearing than you do of the guys that just sit back and do their job. This is interesting. McKenzie has a chart for us. The average age of the head coach is hired. Now, do me a favor. Put up the number uh, that were hired in each of these years. We're gonna we're gonna wait, and then give me a couple years before seventeen, because I want to see where the trend line is. I think this year's a little well. Well, that's we'll take okay. Because really, from McVeigh on, it's all within about a year. I think if you plotted that on a curve, what do they call it when they when they smooth the curve? Johnny could tell me. But it looks pretty darn flat, other than that forty point seven with McKay. Yeah, but the question is flat compared to what before. And I also would yeah. make the following case the last couple of years. And again, maybe it's just one example. But Houston hired two old two guys. really old guys that in yeah. a way don't get hired in this day and age. And they hired them knowing that they weren't going to be for long. Yeah. And they're, you like, think they're going to die? They're, I mean, the Well, knowing that they weren't going to oh. keep them for long. <laughs> and like uh, this year, Sean Payton and Frank Reich, who are retreads, are not – you know, they'll skew the age. <laughs> Sean Payton is now in the retread. Uh, you know category. what I'm trying to say? There are yeah. coaches that are now coaching for their uh, another contract, another team, as opposed to a first year head coach. So I think, why don't we look at the age of the coaches that are hired as first year head coaches? First, first like first time hires. That's interesting. But that is really, an excellent suggestion. I yeah, really like that. But you here's, know? here's where it's I'm real of, small sample size. Though. Yeah, I'm of two minds about that because on one hand, choosing a retread or not is effectively deciding do you mm. want a young coach or an, old, yeah. or an older coach, right? So, but we just can't look at the average age of all the coaches hired because that's including the veteran coaches that are hired for another job. But but that. But that's the point, right? Is anytime there's an opening, mm-hmm. that you make a choice. Like, you get to make a choice. Yeah. You're either choosing young. I think, and maybe, I would bet that. So, the what's veteran... the average age of the unproven head coach that comes in, like yeah. a first-time head coach? Because there's guys like Dayball who are what 46. It's for it's his first head coaching job. Now, if you here's the numbers, and then we got this, the, and we're going to get the pre-17. So, McVay was hired in 17. There were five coaches hired. Average age. I'm going to round up or down. 41 years old. Okay. Next year. There was seven coaches hired, 48 years old. So, all right, from now, from then till now, here's the ages, 48, 46, 47, 46, 49, 47. Remarkably consistent. Super consistent. And the numbers were 8, 5, 7, 10, 5. Uh, that feel, I, I think what we're seeing when we look into the numbers is the extreme cases. That if we say the 10 youngest coaches ever hired – 
I bet six of them has been in the last five years. Yes, I would agree. Yes. Yeah, so I think there's more extreme cases of that, but maybe on average it hasn't changed very much. I think let's. I would love to look at the numbers of the age of the first time head coaches. Um, because I because I think you'll find that a guy like Dable, who's forty six, will have more success than a guy like twenty nine year old or thirty one year old Jonathan Gannon or well, Steichen or well, we you, don't know yet. You want to put Dable's future up against Mike McDaniel's? I don't know that I'd be willing to do that. I'll I, take Dayball. Would you? I think McDaniel's really sad. I think the second half of the year, his 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 bloom came off the rose. I mean, he looks goofy in his in his conference. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying. What I, I, I think really that's fair, but I think yeah. if, if Daniel Jones got hurt for the entire second half, Brian Dayball probably doesn't look as good either. Right? I don't know because I'm not sure Daniel Jones is much better than the backup. Who was their backup? Then Tyra uh, Taylor. Then uh, oh, you the Giants backup? Yeah, yeah Tyra Taylor. I'm not sure that I, I'm. I, I don't know what kind of downgrade that is. Two points, maybe. Two and a half. All right. Like, but I, did anybody? Well, did anybody think the, that the physics? Oh, you know. Well, like, coming into the season, did anybody think that Tua dropping off thesis. to Teddy Bridgewater was massive? But I think after seven, eight weeks, it was pretty apparent that it was. So you're saying he could make Tua good, but he couldn't make anyone else good. Is that yeah. that seems like it's about Tua? I don't know. All I know is that after uh, who was the first team? Oh, I think the 49ers. I can't remember. Yeah, it was the 49ers. The 49ers played a certain D against them, and then the Chargers the next week were able to do it. So think about that for a second. And then really Miami didn't have a better, a real great game after. If I, I thought that game in Buffalo was impressive when they yeah. kept it close. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I think he's – I mean, he, there was talk he was going to get fired. I mean, it was kind of crazy talk, but at the end of the year, there was talk his jaw might be on the yeah. line. So, and, and maybe I'm I'm drawing an, an extreme because I'm thinking about the the young coordinators. But as far as far as like, um, I think forty is like the line of demarcation. You, you hire the the sub forty, the younger than forty coach, or the older than mm-hmm, forty coach. Mm-hmm. And I would think that the how older, old are you? Thirty eight. See, and I think it's usually the, someone a little older than me is old. That's always the way. And I think I think that the coaches forty and up will have more success the than the coaches the that are hired that, that that were hired at thirty six or thirty seven. All right. So a couple of thoughts I have on this. One is, now Mackenzie, by the way, got the two thousand sixteen numbers uh, forty nine. So that's a little higher for sure. Eight head coaches. Here's what I'll say: Whenever technology is prominent in a field. The youth has more advantage. And I don't care, you know, it's undebatable that technology is more involved in sports coaching today than it was 10 years ago. It's just the idea of the ability to have the cut-ups of any, you can say, show me all plays that meet these three criteria, goal line, this, that, boom, boom, boom. And Fez, this harkens back to the poker boom in 2004, 5, 6, where guys like Tom Juan, Durr, there was a talk that he had played more hands of Hold'em than Doyle Brunson because he was able to play tens of thousands of hands or whatever in a short period of time, computer simulation. Exactly right. So when he and Helmuth were having a conversation, Helmuth, obviously, no one's going to question This was his, after the heads his, up thing? His, yeah, his acumen. And he said something a bit to, to Dwan, and Dwan's like, well, th- but that's standard. What are you talking about? You know, of course yeah, I went but, all well, in Dwan tens. wasn't known at that point, and that yeah. was, I think, NBC had a heads up challenge. Yes, but it was and almost he, like... He, he every, raised him with tens or something? Yeah, it was yeah. almost like, well, everyone knows that, Phil. What, yeah. what, what do you well, mean? Well, that's the classic if a young poker players saying it's standard yeah 
Listen, poker is such a fascinating, you know, they call it um, communities of practice. Whenever there's groups of people doing the same thing, trying to achieve a certain goal, they share information. And poker was ex- exactly or much like or is much like that. Look, no further than the three big blind rays, which used to be standard for years and years and years. And now that's that's considered to be an ultra, you know, way high raise compared in, in the new games. Players don't rate. They raise 2.3 times the big blind. Oh, you're saying the amount of the right. Okay. Yeah. And see, I I haven't been as caught up on the G, you know, the game theory approach, the unexploitable game theory. But a guy like uh, Daniel Negreanu, apparently, you know, he was a epitome of the old timers. He was young amongst them, but he was right there. And he's really embraced this and done it exceptionally well. Spot on. And everyone really respects Negreanu. Scott does because he loves hockey, of course. But, you know, more importantly, here's a guy that made his bones old school competed in all these tournaments, didn't have a bankroll, won tournaments, built up his bankroll, but yet got better and better and better and embraced the new technology for by all accounts. So let's say you're a coach and you're not thinking, and, and let's, what are the signs of embracing the modern thinking? Well, going forward on fourth down, going for two at different times. Um, I or would three. say those, huh? Or three. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> we'll oh, get there. Well, uh, yeah. And, um, Boy, that seems weird. They got the two pointer on the five. That that is that how it goes, and the three pointer on the right. ten. That's right. Is um, I think in general, if you're, I mean, think about back in the day. There was uh, who were the old time coaches? I was just reading about one. He was at the Bills, then he was at the Rams. Chuck Chuck Knox, mm. like guys like Chuck Knox, were not like on the computer, right? Now back then, you know, there was. TSR 80s or whatever, but the the reality is, can you imagine a guy that's out of it? Like even a Lovey Smith, I don't know how technically savvy he is. He doesn't strike me as a tech guru. It does feel like the disadvantage of being old and out of it when it comes to technology is much bigger today than it was 20 years ago. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So that means the young kids have an advantage. Mm-hmm. If we can't gain one yard with a jumbo backfield, we don't deserve to win. <laughs> And and there's another factor, I think. It's a sure thing if you have a good offense, your OC gets taken. But if the head coach is the OC, he doesn't get taken. right? So Shanahan being a great example of that. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Now think about it. Is even on D now, the young superstars, the Rams, you know, getting guys hired up. But on offense, you don't lap. I mean, look at the look at the Eagles. I mean, it was both sides of the ball. But like, tell me, like when the Lions coordinator didn't go this year, it was like a shock. But what? what how do you explain Kansas City? Is that just the Mahomes factor that people are saying that that offense, you know, that they've had the same OC for years. Well, you know? the, but the OC is Andy Reid. The oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the play callers, Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they yeah. Give, you're right, Faz. They give people by name, but but that gets into the whole idea of uh, what's his name? The enemy. Yeah, why he's not getting a job and all that? Because obviously, and he's the exception to what everything you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's why it's such a conversation, right? right. And the fact he's black makes it a more interesting one, or at least it. It has the potential of being like he's at the cause, and obviously people can point and say, "Well, there's black coaches getting hired." I think here's what I don't get, and this is off subject now, but uh, why doesn't anyone tell us what people think of Biennemi? Everyone's saying, well, you know, I don't know. I wasn't in the room, Mm -hmm. but um, they won't even say what they hear. Now, why is that? I've never heard a group of 
the media having an embargo, it seems like, on telling the truth. Embargo, yeah. 10 to 1 cash. So is there any sense of, do you get any, I mean, Scott, you're pretty connected in regards to the, you know, media. And I mean, AJ, you observe it pretty, you know, uh, as a big part of your job too. What do you guys think is going on here? It's, people the, aren't the thing, afraid. The thing yeah. that we, that you widely hear is that he, he doesn't interview well. But what does that mean? Does he not not does, articulate? Does he not answer the questions that you want? I don't know. Because a, a big chunk of those interviews are: Do you come in like people that come in with a folder that says, "Here's my 365 day plan, year mm-hmm. one," and on day 228, we're going to do this. People love that, right? Maybe it's a lack of that. But I don't even I don't even want to speculate necessarily. Yeah. I want to know why they're not telling us. People exactly. know. Yeah, People I'd know. love to know. What's funny is LaShawn McCoy was on a, a television show and he said basically, listen, I was in the room with Eric Bieniemy. I didn't learn anything from him. I, everything I got was from Andy Reid. And then a bunch of other players came out and were like, no, that's wrong. That's not right. That mm. I, this is what I got from Eric Bieniemy. He's the, he's he should be a head coach. So it's it's very differing. Uh, takes which if if a guy was like a slam dunk home run hire, everybody who played for him would be like, yeah, this this guy's yeah. the real deal. Like the fact that there's a split tells me there's something going on that we that we can't see or don't know. I don't know. I also think it's interesting that he is getting interviews, so that means they're not interviewing just to interview. And I get the Rooney Rule and all that, but there's a lot. If they know, they're not going to waste an interview. If they know who they're going to hire, and they're just going through the motions. Yeah, maybe they don't care. They they get the enemy or whoever because they got to meet that quota. Most most if they have no intention or if they know who they're going to hire, they'll usually talk to someone in house that satisfies the Rooney. Yeah, role. whatever that is, it, it, he's gotten twelve interviews. Yep. Is the way I understand it. I, I think most of the time you're not going to burn an interview. You only have a finite number. You can. I mean, you're not limited by the league, but you only got so much time. You're not going to interview someone you know you don't want to hire. Why would you? Right. So everyone that gave him an interview, at least there was a chance. Let's say most of the cases, because maybe sometimes it was a quoted thing, but most of the cases he was up for the job, and every time he hasn't gotten it. Doesn't mean he won't be a great coach. Interviewing is different than coaching in a weird no way. Doubt. Just like press conferences aren't a sign of how great you are as a coach. So I, what I think it is, and I'm speculating, it's pure speculation. I think he's probably a big time asshole. And no one wants to say it because he's black. And it's like to say, oh, yeah, he's disagreeable. He's uh, it just white broadcasters don't want to talk like that. And I'm not I wouldn't necessarily want to talk like that. I'm saying I think that's what they're thinking. And what else could really what else could it be like what or or I don't think he's dumb. Because Andy Reid wouldn't have him all that yeah. time if he was just dumb. He might just struggle to communicate in, in the interview process. It's it's totally different, you know, calling plays versus meeting with a bunch of suits, right? Okay, and maybe that, and I think that fits the criteria too. Maybe he's just very not articulate. But if you say, "Oh, the black guy isn't very good in the room," people don't want to say that. I mean, so what I'm saying is, I think the fact we're not hearing that mm-hmm. is probably the case. Is because again, him being inarticulate. Or him being an asshole. And maybe inarticulate in non-football matters, which they're going to ask, you know, just in generic questions and the like. I, I go yeah. back to the – remember the movie The Program and the middle linebacker? Like, Nick like, was articulate. Um, That's uh, – you're, uh, uh, you're thinking blue chips. Oh, okay, okay. But, 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 program with James Conner but, 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 uh, but the edge rusher Sonny. is – Latimer. Was, 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 Latimer. Mm. No, not Latimer. The other guy. They, they heard oh, his Alvin name. Mack. 
Alvin Mack, and, and they'll ask him all these questions about schoolwork and stuff, and he can't answer any of it. And Did then you they, see they this ask, just recently? Ten years ago. And then they ask him a football question, and he's like, oh, we're in a cover, too. And he, he knows his responsibility at all, where everyone should be on the entire team. Yeah, he is a fucking he genius in football IQ. I mean, I, I got a feeling one of these organizations are going to understand that it's not just how yeah. our team— I guess what I'm saying is, what what could it be otherwise? He's either not very good at his job, or there's. But then that presupposes Andy Reid is okay with that, which doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Or he is disagreeable, or he's inarticulate. So he's good at his job, he just doesn't express it well. Or he's good at his job, but he's too hard on. I heard he's hard on players, but I'm not sure that's a bad thing. And then. Or he's just bad at his job. What else could it be? He's either bad at his job, good at his job, but doesn't articulate it well, or good at his job and he's an asshole. What what, what else could it be? I think those are very <laughs> possible options. And I, I mean, this is speculation purely, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that the guy has an assault against a woman on his record mm. from however long ago in 2023, you never know how people are going to like if, you're, if there's going to be people standing outside your stadium with signs. Like, well, I don't. It's know. one thing to have a running back who's done it. It's another thing to have the head coach of your organization with that. And I'm I'm not saying that's right because I mean second chances are, are second chances. But I, I I it wouldn't shock me if that's gone into some thinking. That, at this point, that's a tiebreaker because I mean, if they think he's the right coach, they don't care. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, you've been around organizations more than me. I mean, uh, these are grown ups, and uh, I mean, wh- what was it? Not Denver. Who was the uh, Billups? Was hired? Where, where was he hired? Where, Portland, right? Chauncey Billups. What am I thinking? I think Mackenzie had to go to the restroom. Um, but wasn't he the? I don't want to say this wrong. I check, check. Yeah, Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and check his background. I mean, he had a, 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 I think something similar. Let's make sure I'm right about that, because there was a big thing where there was a big controversy when they hired him, but then it went away pretty quick. Yeah, he never charged or convicted of a crime. Settled a civil suit with a woman. So, so that was a rape allegation. allegation yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, to me, to some degree, it's you're either convicted or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't come up. I really believe that because there's no they can they can charge anyone they want with anything and put that on mark on that person forever. I mean, I think you're if you're not convicted, it means we don't aren't sure you did it. And isn't it kind of anti-American to say we're going to hold something against someone even though we're not sure they did it? You know, you look at like all these professional betters from 20 years ago, and so many of them. Got arrested, you know the 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 the, the for bookmaking or why? Yeah, exactly. And all they were doing was I was gambling. What are you talking about? Yeah, but but again, at least then, if you say that person's was a gambler, you're right to say. And if if you want to judge that harshly, you can. Right. But if you weren't convicted, then it's absurd. Now, Jimmy the Greek, a long t- he spent I think 15 years trying to get a pardon. You know, he got a wire act charge or a oh. bookmaking charge, and he th- hated that he had that charge on mm-hmm. him, and. Nixon finally gave him a pardon, and it was a huge deal to him. I, if I, I've never had a misdemeanor, knock on wood, or felony. But if I ever had one, I wouldn't bother me a bit. Mm. I mean, I, it would bother me if I had to go to jail, so, or you know, but it wouldn't bother me for like my resume or whatever. So there's a list here of the the problems that Eric Bieniemy's had with police over the years, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But I will say, if I'm an owner and I'm How looking, how many at, times has he been convicted? Uh, well, 
Colorado police arrested him and a teammate after a bar fight. He was charged with disorderly conduct, fighting in public, pleaded no contest, received a deferred sentence. That's a conviction. I mean, effectively. Now, a bar fight in college football, that happens every third weekend. Uh, 1990, pleaded no contest after shoving a firefighter. 1990? How old was he? Uh, He would have been in college still. Shoving a firefighter? What and would I, that context I, I, be? I, I think an on-duty firefighter is the context. It'd, it'd be... I, I don't think you he think just, he just went to a fire store <laughs> shoving people? Don't, I, I don't think, start this fire? I think if you're in a bar and there's an off-duty firefighter, no, it's it, okay I, to shove them, but it's probably not well, so good in front of I don't think it's okay to shove anyone. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> uh, September 93, Colorado police arrested Biennemi, then in the NFL... Uh, reports that he allegedly grabbed a female parking attendant by the neck and threatened her. Jesus. He, he was banned from its campus for one year as a result. But never convicted. Never convicted. Uh, uh, 2001, Colorado police arrested Biennemi on a DUI charge three months after he joined the football staff as a running backs coach. Uh, he had previously so had a— Ten dr- years goes by and, he, and he's DUI. Back at a time when DUI was uh, frowned on but wasn't like a serious—at least it wasn't perceived as serious. Bill Simmons was talking about this. Does anyone here that grew up— Fez maybe is the exception. Did— did you not know? I mean, New York's an interesting thing. I don't know the culture there in that regard. Where I grew up, people dr- drank and drive every day. It was my a, dad drove me to to baseball practice with a beer in between his, his knees. Yeah, was, it's it's, a, it's a, not only did they drink and drive, but they actively were drinking while they were driving. Exactly in in Pennsylvania, Ohio, that was normal behavior. And like when you and I were growing up, RJ, that was the thing. You know, you just get a six pack of beer. Well, I wasn't cool, so I didn't do it. And and you just go, you just find some field. And just kicked back well, by, we by the corn. We, we went on loops, they called them. We just drove in the country and drank and drove yeah. the whole freaking night. And I, I the summer before my senior year in high school, I drank 78 out of 90 nights. It was like, you know, we had a little tally gun. You were after the 3-2 beer, right? You were... You were 3-2, what's it, happening? 18 was the legal age when I was in high school. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. So you, but, but, I'm but, much younger. If I'm but they had younger. the, yeah, but they had like, <laughs> but it was 3.2% instead of 6%. So you had to like drink twice as many to get drunk. Well, when I knew I started having a little issue, not an issue, but it was a bit much, is when I the 6 wasn't good enough, I had to get tall boys. <laughs> when you have to get the tall boys, it's like, all right. You need eight now. It's like, yeah, it's a little much for a night. All right. So, Biennemi, so what you're saying is maybe there's just a preponderance of evidence. Or not evidence. If it, if it was one incidents, thing, yeah. if it was one thing, it might be the thing you'd overlook. But when there's like a line of The most things, recent thing is 20 years ago. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If we know someone's got trouble, whatever the trouble, and we say, you're 23, you're angry, you're whatever. It doesn't matter what you do the next 20 some years. You're going to be completely labeled by who you are today, and nothing you can do will change that. That doesn't sound right, does it? No. Now, maybe. No, I'm, and again, I'm not, I wasn't saying it was fair. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm asking, you know, and, and maybe what they're saying is hey, there's certain jobs that are so rare, so uh, they, they return so much, they're so desired that if you, you know, if you fail at all, forget about it. If you get a couple of B's in your freshman year of high school, you're not getting into Harvard Law School. doesn't matter how nice you are. You can make a mistake that's not even a mistake, a couple of B's or C. So in a weird way, maybe that's the rationale, and maybe it's okay. I well, remember when, when Clinton was running for office and it was made a big deal that he smoked pot. Well, back then it wasn't. Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like n- Now, do you think there will ever be another president who hasn't tried marijuana? Pro- the answer is probably no. He didn't inhale? Sure. <laughs> But but now here's the thing though too. It seems like we're going in different directions. Oh, 
Obama, who, again, a master of PR, he put out he did cocaine in a book years before he ran for office saying, hey, everyone's going to say, we knew that. It was in the book. Mm. So but if it would have got exposed by McCain at the end, it would have been probably, who knows, a deal breaker. But so, but doing drugs or whatever, like we're laughing that that was an issue in 92, but now stuff with women, for example, and racial things, the standards go way up. Yeah. And who knows what it'll be 30 years from now, that what the big deal is. I have a feeling it's gonna, it can't be going in the same direction. So it's, <laughs> I have a feeling there might be some, uh, I don't know. I, I just hope things aren't so bad. You know, sometimes when I see the woke people and their opinions on stuff, I think, I hope this country stays so good, net net, that you have time to worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it, it, I like the fact, you know, it's like, Imagine someone who's reading when he's a kid, and you might say, oh, back in my day, we were working, not reading. It's like, maybe, but it's kind of better now, right? So I think it's better that we have the time for political disagreements, you know. AJ, you you get involved in those, right? Unintentionally. Where are you on the spectrum, would you say? Middle of the road? I think I'm middle of the road. (laughs) I wonder how many people think they're radical. Do you think you're middle of the road, Scott? Uh, Middle, leaning left. Leaning left? Fez? Fiscally right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so social issues, I think I'm, I'm more libertarian. Libertarian? Yeah. Okay. That's where I kind of fall. Do whatever on. you want. Just don't don't make me pay for it. A lot it. of laissez-faire over here. Well, but that but you're saying leaning left and laissez-faire is kind of opposite. That's why I said I'm middle. Mi- <laughs> oh, no. All right. So everyone's middle. <laughs> me, personally, I, I'm pure libertarian. I mean, like, to me... But by definition, being a libertarian kind of presupposes you're fiscally fiscally conservative. Yeah. Oh, that, is that right? Yes. I think yeah. so because you don't it, want the government spending. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Okay. So, but you know what? There's a, a really good book. I mentioned this one other time. Pugilist at Rest, <laughs> author Tom Jones. I have trouble with that word sometimes. Um, and it was about a Vietnam vet, and it was a collection of short stories. And the one thing that always I've carried with me, always since I read that about 15 years ago, is he said he was a tough soldier, you know, and it was a tough Vietnam vet. And he talked about how he had all these political ideas that were like self-reliance, bootstrap, pull yourself up. And then one of the characters got a, a serious brain injury. He was in a boxing match. He was a little too old. But the ba- his boys at the base were saying, go, go, go. And he fights, and he has like a fundamental brain damage. And I think we've all thought been – everyone probably has had the flu really bad. I mean, like COVID or some people, COVID was worse than others. But like so bad that like if you say there's a million bucks, if you fly across country right now, <laughs> you couldn't do it. It'd be like – you have to put me out, you know. Like when you're that bad, everyone here has been that bad, right? Mm-hmm. At least once or twice mm-hmm. with the flu or something. Yeah. Imagine if you felt like that all the time, and then it's like, hey, self reliance, buddy. You know, yeah. and it's like, and it's not going to be that bad typically, though. Sometimes I guess for some illnesses it is, but in general, it's usually the able-bodied, bright people that are saying self reliance because it's a winning game for you. And Until it's not. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. So, though, older people usually are still concerned. It's funny. You would think that once you got Social Security age, you wouldn't be conservative necessarily because you need more help maybe. But I guess they, they're so – they paid into that system. They're so indignant about getting that money back, which makes sense. But I, I guess all I'm saying is 
I'm a big fan of self-reliance and all that, but I also think the empathy of like seeing the plight of people, I don't know. That's something I've had a little more of, I think, than I did 10 years ago, but I, I think it can go too far. You know, I don't know. AJ's too left for me, I'll just say right now. Just because he has a gun in his house, he did. <laughs> How many guns do you have? I don't know, 10, 12. 12? Are they all locked up? Yeah. Do your boys shoot? Yeah. What's the use of... Tw- That's interesting. I don't mind it. It's just... what was it, Is it just you collect or you like... Uh, I'm a guy... I mean, my, I think my dad... He had a 357. I know that. He loved that. That little... The 357 handgun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple... I mean, I've got a couple handguns. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got hunting rifles, different sizes. When's the last time you gone hunting? A long time ago. My dad would hunt rabbits, squirrel... Deer? He went like yeah. 20 years without getting a deer. Oh, really? Yeah, me, my dad and I went deer hunting, every, like, I don't know, probably three times a year. He bow hunts oh, for no. deer? No, that's that. that's what Joe that's Rogan real, does. That's a real deal. I'd like to go shoot an elk while I live here. <laughs> yeah, is that right? Yeah, they, there's no, elk hunting here. There's no elk in Texas. so like that, They say that's good meat. That's Yeah, it is good meat. I'd, li- I'd like to go hunting. You hunt. go hunting much, Fez? I've never been hunting. Fez, you want to go with me to hunt an elk? My wife won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> so says the libertarian. You'll just come home smeared in blood, and you'll just say, "Listen, cook this elk." My former brother just, just slap it on the table. Hey, dinner served. Full, full disclosure: My former brother-in-law, um, Bob Smith, took me out to Bob the, Smith. He took me out to the um, shooting range. So I sh- that's the only time I ever shot a gun. So that's kind of cool. Let me see your fingers. That's kind of cool. <laughs> He's got all tense though. That'd be funny, Fez, with like the carcass over his shoulder, walking oh, yeah. blood through his mm-hmm. streaked hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's you, hard to picture. Now, if you guys kill, would you drink the blood? No, no. Like Wolverines? No. Okay. This was big in Ohio. There's a lot of deer hunters. My like one of my best friends growing up, Jim Cross, is every every weekend they go deer hunting, like during deer season. They so go out there. Bob Smith, Jim Cross. Yeah. We he had like this enormous free like three freezers in the basement like that were full of deer meat. Venison. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right, venison jerky. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not much hunting in New York, huh? Yeah. <laughs> See, we got the cross section here. I don't think Mackenzie was a hunter. No. He, hand motion says no. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, so Biennemi, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think maybe there is a preponderance of that stuff. That's a tiebreaker. It is interesting. Andy Reid's pushed him out, effectively pushed him out the door. Now, it seems like it's in his best interest. That's why he's doing it, but who knows? Well, when they signed the deal this year, I think it was kind of known that if he didn't get a head coaching job this year, he was going to go out and try something new. So I don't know that he was necessarily getting pushed, because I feel like Andy Reid's been a big advocate for him, but it, it felt like if he didn't get hired in this cycle, it was just known that he was going to well, go try this somewhere else. this time. No one interviewed him. Mm-mm. Not this time. How many more years does Andy Reid have? Well, he doesn't. I mean, he's sixty-four. So I he's mean, he's an old sixty-four. Yeah. They say. He, I tell you this. John Middlecoff talks about. You know, he worked with him for a while in Philly. He said no one put. He's never seen anyone put in more hours mm. than Andy Reid. Okay. So, which again, I don't know. I mean, he's got that. He likes to eat, obviously, but he also has that. Kind of drawn in look of a guy that grind. I mean, he's, he's yeah, and he's had a lot of life shit happen to him lately. Yeah, I mean, that stuff wears on you. I, I do think it's interesting how Andy Reid in the second half was a real differentiator in the Super Bowl. I think two years ago against Tampa, he wasn't at all. And remember, that was right when his yeah, son the, had you're, that. You talk about distractions. Yeah. yeah. All right. So 
I'm going to do my NFL stuff at the end. So let's talk a little college basketball. Ooh, March Madness. All right, so you had your one pick already. Yeah. Marquette, is that right? No, Creighton. Creighton. Oh, Marquette's on today's list. Yeah, Marquette's on today's list. And at the end here, you're going to give us, and we're going to have best bets from Fed. We're going to have best bets. Is that to make the Final Four? No, it's win the title. The title? You don't think Creighton can win the title? If they do, I'm going to I'm going to bank 80 units betting them six straight times. Well, all right, so okay, let's do, well. so let's do this. No, no, no. Let's do this because I do think it's an interesting conversation. I also think that the people who poo and in fact, this is directed at you. The people who poo-poo all the things that normal people do don't do much good. Cuz it's like, okay, light a candle, don't curse the darkness. <laughs> What is the time is a is a, no, is a flat a circle or something? And, and my point is, you're right that that oftentimes. So I think in March Madness, I disagree with this. To be honest with you, I think if you have a significant underdog, now in this case maybe twenty five to one isn't significant enough, but let's use an example. Uh, oh, Loyola. Loyola. That that that's a great example. And that was a word what? I have trouble with too. And so. there, that's the word actually. Right. And there was great value. Loyola was an eleven seed, and as it turned out, there are people that. And bet- I said this beforehand that it they, was going to be the case. They bet the people found them at like eighty to one just to make the final four, and you did better betting that that if you would have recursively done the mechanical parlay. And here's when I think that phenomenon is true: is if the win at a certain point in that process fundamentally changes what people think of the team, where it's like they would have been. Uh, 11 point underdogs now they're four point underdogs yes. and it happens in a couple games and if you have a team you don't by definition getting close to the final four and in the final four is a reimagination for 11 seeds and 12 so I'm not so sure that's the case well it didn't happen with St. Peter's like last year because they were like like the, the, the you know that they got no respect even though they won a couple games so the mechanical parlay was it was but did they done- make the final four no, but they so won, they it, made the Sweet Sixteen. I'm just, I'm just we, saying the whole point of a mechanical parlay is you keep betting. It's not that you, <laughs> yeah, not that when you they lose, you assume that was the last bet, sure, right? So, I, in general, if you like a team and you are willing to bet them each of the rounds and take the winnings, a hundred dollars and let it ride, that can be a better payoff. I think more times than not, most people don't do it. They just yep. don't, and they want to have a ticket. Plus, they don't want to be tempted not to bet it, to bet half mm-hmm. as much, you know. Well, and some of the teams we're going to talk about today, if you had bet, you know, Marquette at the beginning of the season and you got 150 to one, there's no mechanical parlay that's going to pay you 150 to one. This is so, a, this is a great point. I am not anti-future. Early apparently you year. are early. Okay, you're right. I'm anti-future <laughs> all the time, but but there are people all the time. In fact, my buddy Brad, he's a professional Brad better. Smith. Brad Feinberg. Brad Johnson. <laughs> He's a professional better, and he kind of put me on to like he sh- he he started to share with me some of the futures that he bets early in the year, and he got on some f- like the Marquette 150 to one. Brad doesn't have that, but that's a great example. That's a great bet to have. Well, but this time of year is different. And that brings up another point, is you can't really effectively do a mechanical parlay until you—and you can't even do a mechanical parlay, I guess you could in the NBA if you do it by series. Sure. 
right? But you can't do it by game. And in, in baseball, you could do it by series, but you can't do it from the beginning of the year. If you think it was going to be a fundamental change of the team from the beginning of the year, like the Eagles would Great have been better example. than Scott 22 to 1. You're not going to get no 22 to 1. Well, he's not getting when, it either. When they're a number one, when they're a number <laughs> one, now. when they're a number one seed, you know you're going to get he emerged, Does the book emerge from hiding? You're going to get 4 to 1 instead of 22 to 1. So, so that's the question. Is somewhere in the middle of that, can you start the parlay soon enough before the fundamental yes. change happens? And do you expect a fundamental change in the middle of the parlay? Maybe those are the two times you don't. But here's something maybe you need to understand what we're doing with this. We're saying let's pick futures as a representation of an objective or objectively stating I like this team to win it. However you want to bet that's up to you. Put them into the, your, your, your various March Madness pools, which however you are the you, master at. Well, you know, last year wasn't great, but however you want to do it. And, and Judged then we, by a decade and by the entire <laughs> career. Right. Not one year, and we we can take what we can do is we can take AJ's results and say how many of his teams won, how many teams yes. won the final four, and however people are able to bet that the execution of those bets is a is a separate matter. Yes. So go ahead, AJ. Yeah. So last I'll week, turn Fez's mic off if he interrupts. Last you. week we wasted uh, twenty five to one on Creighton, according to Fez. <laughs> this week we're going to waste ten to one on the Kansas Jayhawks. No, now, no, this... no, we're not wasting. We're not wasting. Well, I was just saying. I tell you, you, I actually like this bet. Yeah. Oh, well, there you I go. I actually don't think the mechanical parlay is going to pay ten to one on. Hey, here's the and, question. Here's the question about Fez though. I don't know if it's only certain tweets pop up when you do them. I haven't seen you do a. Po- When's the last time you did a positive tweet? Of telling people good things that are had. I've never seen someone. It's like you're a nobody. Like you're you're at the top of this industry, and you are like throwing rocks down below. It's like ten a week. I always talk positively about circus sports uh, and about Caesar's sports book. Okay, because one gives you ten bucks a day, and I mean it's <laughs> you got your. I mean what you I'm just asked for an example. But what I'm saying is, don't you have good feeling? Remember the Sopranos, Scott? When a, when uh, Tony's talking with Uncle June. And they're talking about like Tony's mad at him for the uh, varsity athlete, mm-hmm. and he said he they're just silent sitting on the couch, and he says why do you he goes why he goes you know why are you like that and he goes but then he goes doesn't isn't there something good you could say sometimes and it was like that is the it's like I get it. if you're a truth teller like some people that are assholes say they're truth tellers mm-hmm. right. Aren't there any positive truths? Aren't there any, like, that guy's awesome, this girl's awesome? Fez, are there any positive truths in your life? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I think I tweeted, Wade Phillips is a dummy. The Duke basketball team's full of dummies. Yeah, all these these guys are dumb. (laughs) Where's Northwestern and Duke line up, do you think? Um, academically, yeah. very comparable. Uh-huh. Very comparable. But 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 Northwestern grads, we should have a parade for them. Overrated. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> so Kansas 10-1, to 1, and the reason I like Kansas 10-1 to 1 is because I think when the tournament starts, they will be the favorite. Uh, currently, Houston is the favorite at 7-1. to 1. I kind of doubted Kansas. Right, so, but why are they going to be the favorite? I, okay, I, I'm, I'm getting there. They're, a, I think they're going to win the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 is far and away the best conference in basketball. So it's why not are close. they going to win it? What is it about the team? So they've got the things that you're looking for. They've got Jalen Wilson, who's a top five player in the country, which anytime you've got a dominant guy, like a go-to guy, you feel good about those teams coming. Because there's certain times in close games, you need that Jordan effect. Yep. Normally, Bill Self teams have had that paired with a big man, and that's what the team had last year, won them a tournament. They don't have that this year, and that's why I've kind of been hesitant to, to think that Kansas was good but they've got everything else, and as the game sort of shifts away from big man dominance, Kansas is 
they're they're building their team the right way. Grady Dick is an elite outside shooter. What's his name? Grady Dick. Cockbringer? Fresh no. This is, this is a theme, it's here. <laughs> uh Dewan Harris, they've got one of the best on ball defenders in the country. So when another team has a, a Jalen Wilson type, they've got someone to throw at him. Like they've got all So they lost a bunch of games middle of the year, right? Yeah. Like three, Four out of six, yeah. Yep. What was the cause? I mean, like, was that was there anything other than just randomness. They play in the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's that tough. It's it's tough. Like of the ten teams in the Big Twelve, likely eight are making the tournament. You can make an argument for nine. Likely number one seed if it goes your way, right? Uh, almost certainly a number one seed. I don't think they have to win the Big Twelve tournament to be a one seed. But it's important for them to be in the Midwest, right? Because they want to play near Kansas City. Sure. Yep. Right. Okay. And uh, would Houston be the other? Uh, in theory, that Houston would get the Midwest. Houston would probably either trying to get Midwest or West. Houston's West? Mm, I mean, usually they send the, the strange one out to UCLA is going to be West. UCLA is right? not going to be a one seed. You don't think? Really? No. So who do you project as the one seeds right now? The the current one seeds, and I, I like I could project or I can give you what bracket matrix yeah, projects. Go ahead. Those guys are they know more about it than I do. Kansas, Houston, Purdue, Alabama. And where do they put uh do they have the regions? No, they don't. Okay. All right. So there are if they do get that, that's a big advantage because they travel really well. Now, do you attend to one? Are you thinking you start? Ha- I mean, I guess it's going to be by the circumstances, but it's really not a ton of hedge opportunity. Right? You're just no. saying this. Team, yeah, this is one. That, like, maybe in the finals. Yeah. Unlike Creighton, where like when you've got a 25 to one, I think there are going to be some hedge opportunities. 10 to one, you're kind of you're hoping they win. I, I think KU is going to be a two point favorite in the final four against anybody. I think if they play Houston, the pedigree, the, the square betters are going to back Kansas, defending champion. Yeah, but that's what I don't get about all the closing line value. If the if they're favored because of a public bias, is that something that makes you – I mean, if you're looking I can earn to hedge off out, of it. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. the mechanical parlay and why it's – I don't like it for Kansas. Yeah. Because the tax is going to hit, it's going to kill you on the mechanical parlay. There is a sense with the Kansas that if there is any doubts – that those doubts, once they get answered a little bit, they get answered. Right. Like, oh, yeah. we were worried about that, but it's not a problem anymore. Okay. I mean, that's that's exactly where I stood. Like, Yeah. Yeah, but maybe you're a little ahead of it because right now it's still at 10 to 1. All right. You got four teams that succeeded expectations majorly, and there's one team that Feds thinks should be on this list. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your first team, St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's opened 125 to 1. They're currently— Dumb bet. Oh, sorry. They're currently thirty to one. Uh, they've and they've jumped thirty nine spots in Ken Palm since the beginning of the season. And so, what's gone differently than expected? So this is this is a typical St. Mary's team with a couple of exceptions. One is they've got a game changing playmaker in Aiden Mahoney. This is the kind of guy who normally doesn't end up at St. Mary's. This is a like a, a pro prospect type guy. He single handedly brought them back and beat Gonzaga. Uh, it's not the t- kind of talent that Randy Bennett's usually a scheme coach. And when you have a really great scheme and you add in potential NBA talent, it can be a game changer. So why were they 100? Like a typical St. Mary's year, they've been good for years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were they entering the year last year or the year before? I mean, saying on average, 125 to 1 seems— That's com- that's typical. That's, really? That's yeah. about right. Yeah, because so, they're always under the shadow of Gonzaga. So this idea then of this NBA-level talent— Mahoney, you said? He's a freshman. No one knew Yeah, he's a freshman. Oh, so no he one emerged. Oh, okay. Yes. Perfect. Uh, the other thing that, that is different for St. Mary's this year, and you just mentioned it, there isn't a Gonzaga beast standing over them. Like, it, it's 
it's always felt like just too tall of a mountain to climb for St. Mary's to to really even contend with because Gonzaga's always had well not always in the last several years have always had this NBA talent mixed with great coaching. It's just been too much for St. Mary's. Gonzaga's down this year. They're 13th in Kimpom. That's the lowest they've been since 2016. Uh, but St. Mary's does a lot. They do a lot of the things you like. They play really slow. They don't turn the ball over. So you're less inclined to lay the big lumber with them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to take them game to game, especially as a favorite. You don't want to take them game to game. Uh, but the the only thing, really, the only real knock on them on court is free throw shooting and the schedule. And we talk about this every year with Gonzaga. Who do they play? How how does this conference get them ready for the tournament when you're playing a bunch of bums? In a way, this is opposite of Kansas. Yeah. Because Kansas is battle tested. I mean, Temple used to be an example where they would play a schedule and be like 16 and 14 and be a, a real threat in the tournament because they had a matchup zone, but also they just had such high level competition. I think Gonzaga's shown us, and even UNLV, whatever you want to say about UNLV, them winning one title during the Tark era was a disappointment. Yeah, and if they had been in the Big Ten, they probably would have won two slam dunk. I mean, it does feel like the, the tough competition is better in the, the colleges. Sure. Yeah, and that's why, like, overall, I think St. Mary's is good. I don't think this is a team that's going to win the tournament because— and just to be clear, this isn't you making a pick. You're looking at the season as a whole. Yeah, just what These they've are the done. Four teams that's over or overperformed. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not buying into them even at thirty to one because if we've seen it, Gonzaga not be able to do it with a bunch of NBA lottery talent. I don't believe St. Mary's is good enough to overcome. Quick question on the Zags: the belief was they were winning. It feels like Clemson. So Clemson had that run in in, in uh, football. In which it was like they had the same number of titles as Saban, and you know, and then it was like, hey, look at their recruiting rankings, right? Is the seniors this year that class was twenty eighth, and the year before it was twenty, or the year after it was twenty two, then sixteen, then twelve. So it kept getting better, but the average snap count wise was like maybe a recruiting ranking of eighteen. They win titles that way. We thought when their freshmen now become seniors and they're recruiting top five, they're going to be unbeatable. Except Clemson hasn't been near as good. Gonzaga, the thought was, hey, they're winning without getting the best players. Now they're starting to get guys that are lottery picks and better, or you know, top of the lottery. And this year they're down. What's going on? This year they don't have a surefire lottery guy like they've had the last few years. Julian Strother, who's from Vegas, probably the closest thing to that. And Drew Timmy, who's in like year six of eligibility. He's been there forever. Uh, he's. He, I don't want to say people have caught up to him. He's not as dominant as he was he's when, a wussy when boy. he had an when he had a, a lottery pick running mate alongside him. So the talent is a little down from the last few years for Gonzaga. But the recruiting was better. They just didn't pan out. Yes. Yes. All right. Second team, and let's speed this up. UConn. Yeah, UConn is the most interesting team on here to me because at their best. I think they can be one of the two or three best teams in the country. So they what, opened what they, eighty to yeah, one. Eighty to one. They're now eighteen to one. Uh, preseason, they've jumped twenty-one spots since preseason in Ken Palm. So, so I got to ask you about UConn because, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they peaked at like first or second in the country. Yes. So they literally have gone from eighty to one to like ten to one, and now they're back down to eighteen to one, and they're not playing their best basketball by any way, shape, or form. Right. Right. Uh, although, if you if you want to look at the short term, as we record here tonight. They absolutely smashed a really good Providence team tonight. So this is a a team that has that potential. When they shoot, they're literally as good as anyone in the country. They have two big men 
that make their interior defense elite in Sonogo and Klingon. Klingon's a freshman who I think is going to be an elite player next year uh, once he's on the floor full-time. But they're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And I, listen, this team beat Alabama by 15 points. Mm. Like that, that tells you what the ceiling is. If you go and play the who some people think is the best team in the country in Alabama and beat them by 15 points, you can play with literally anybody. Bracket Matrix currently has them as a five seed, same as Lenardi. Remaining schedule is manageable. They're expected to win all three games remaining. They're two games behind the four seed, which probably means they're going to be a five seed in the Big East tournament. As long as you're not a six seed, six seed, seven seed, eight seed have to play an extra game. So if you're if you're five or better, you're in good shape in the Big East tournament. UConn on pace to do that. Uh, I think this good enough. This team's good enough to make the second weekend. I can see them competing with whatever one seed they match up with on the second weekend. This is a team that's actually pretty interesting to me. In, if in they UConn. win the Big East tournament, what's or they get to the Big East tournament finals, what's this? What's the limit for their ranking? Like how, uh, a three or four, a four seed? Three or yeah, a four yeah. seed? Okay. Yeah, likely a four seed. Mm-hmm. The Big East is really good this year. Like it's much better than it was expected to be, and a lot of it has to do with the next team that we'll talk about, who's Marquette. Opened 150 to one, current 42 to one. They have jumped 65 spots in Ken Palm. So let's use that as an example. How many points is that with Ken Palm? Maybe you can look at that and tell us, you know, after, you know, if you get a chance. Because I'm interested to see how many points are they better than they were thought. The slots, I don't really understand. I know what rankings mean. I just don't know how many points it is. Yeah, well, because it's a conglomeration of all these stats. No, I That's- know what generates the index number. I don't know exactly, but I generally know. But I'm saying at one point, if they have, like, when you try to figure out what the line is, you subtract the numbers. Right? Yeah. They're power rated. I guess five. Yeah. That's probably fair. Right. I don't know the exact number. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. Uh Shaka Smart teams are always known to be high-level defensive teams. That's what he did at VCU. That's what he did at Texas. They've just never been good on offense. And they're top 20 nationally, again, in forcing turnovers. The difference is on the offensive end. They are third in offensive adjusted efficiency. They are number one nationally in shooting percentage on two-point field goals. And they do all that without a traditional big man. A lot of that is because they're they're in uh, transition a lot. They get a lot of easy buckets in transition off of their defense. They play fast on offense, slow teams down on defense. And my favorite thing about Marquette is the same five guys have started every game this year. Last night, they went on the road at, Cl- at Creighton. It was one of the most impressive wins all season long. Uh, and it basically sealed the Big East regular season title for them. So... They're, they're likely to be the one, barring some collapse in the last few games, they've got a really easy schedule down the stretch. They're likely to be the one seed in the Big East tournament. So you said something that I, I like in terms of an opportunity because they just basically almost, if they just hold serve and win, they're going to be the number one seed. So this might number be... Number one seed in the Big East. In the yeah. Big East. So this might be a team that will be under the radar that people say, oh, they're not playing that well because their incentive is so much smaller than a lot of other teams, right? Because they are they can just coast to the Big East title right now. Except the thing about coasting is you can't coast when you play for Shaka Smart because it's all, mm. all it's all about effort. And this is a team, like, I but, think... But if they do underperform in some of these games, there might be an excuse built in. I, mean, I, I agree. Us, to, oh. to, to, to mitigate somewhat a bad performance. Yes, the most impressive thing is this team was picked ninth in the Big East out of 11 teams. Like, this is maybe the most uh, 
of like what expectation was to what they've actually done, this may be the most impressive team in the country. Like you don't get picked ninth out of eleven and then win the conference. It never happens. And they just won at Creighton. So Creighton's a team that lost six in a row, had a lot of guys out. Correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your they had one guy out. Mind. It one, was Ryan Cockbrenner. <laughs> thank you, uh, the bringer of Cock. But 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 this is a legit Creighton's a legit top ten power rated type yes. team, and they just won on the road and in a highly leveraged game. Is it silicon or how's that work? K A L K. Okay. Um, last team, Purdue, a team that uh, I just, as a casual fan last year, they seem to underperform every year in the tournament pretty much. Right? Every year. Yeah. Uh, so they open 40 to 1. They're currently 12 to 1. Uh, they've moved up 21 spots in Ken Palm since preseason. And the biggest difference this year between this this last year's team and this year's team is simple. It's Zach Eady. He's the best player in the country. He's a gigantic monster. He hardly ever got on the floor last year because Purdue had a senior in Travion Williams who played center, and they just said, "Hey, this guy's been here for four years. We're going to reward him. We're going to." And so Eady got very limited time. Now that he's out there, like he is the most dominant player in the country. He's basically top ten in every category in the Big Ten. Uh, they've gone from 90, the 93rd ranked defensive efficiency team to 22nd this year and only fallen from number two last year to seven on offense. And that's with losing a top five pick to the NBA in Jaden Ivey. So this team is one guy has really kept them in the elite conversation. The concerns are, though, like you said, Matt Painter in the tournament historically underachieves. Uh, he's been in the tournament 13 times. They've never made it past the third round. <laughs> Well, it's third, third round gets you. That means they've the never been to the Sweet 16. No, that doesn't make sense. 64, 32. Six, yeah, they've never been so, out of the Sweet I mean, 16. The third round never made the third round. So Ma- the, never made it out of the third round. So they've never they've, they've never, never won more the than eight. Yeah, they've never won more than three games in a tournament. So, and they've only so done the that once. Sweet 16 is the second round. Wait, first round. So it's in the third. If you make the Sweet 16, that's the third round. In the third round. So he's made the Sweet 16 once. All right. So that would, not a lot of people make the Elite Eight, but I hear you. I, hear I mean, when you got a team every, like that every, every year. Every good program makes the Elite Eight. Well, good programs. I, I never yeah. thought Purdue was good. Yeah, because they don't make the Elite Eight. <laughs> well, see, it's a chicken and the egg. That's don't they of, have crappy guards? They, well, they don't have crappy guards. They've got freshman guards, which is something that I'm not ideally looking for. And uh, I talked about this with Kansas. As it's gone less of a big man's game, I'd much rather have guards I trust than a big man I trust. I do think in the Big Ten tournament, like when you're playing at a neutral site where shooting lines are off and things like that, having a great big man helps because uh, you, you don't have to shoot as much. If you're a team that doesn't have to rely on great shooting, great news. Purdue doesn't have to shoot because they can just pass it to their monster. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it, that, that typically doesn't last six games in March. All right, your four teams that's over-exceeded or exceeded expectations. St. Mary's, UConn, Purdue, Marquette. You've got a bet on this is your number your second bet on Kansas ten to one to win the title nightly or morning every morning discussions about college basketball on straight out of Vegas AM uh, two days a week on this feed and check it out on their own feed just search for straight out of Vegas AM Fez I think there's a glaring omission on your most improved teams. Uh, okay. My Northwestern Wild. Oh, I thought you were going to say Alabama. I, now, <laughs> now, I get it. I get what, what what's happening. So at, what, what's objectively, let's get the data. What have they done? Uh, Northwestern was supposed to be garbage, and they're going to finish second in the Big Ten. Second. Uh-huh. And they just beat this aforementioned monster, Edie and Purdue. 
Um, along with wins against Iowa, I believe you went against them in that game. I did. And they just beat Indiana, another team that's that that's styling for the most part, not at, at Sparty. But the, the three straight really solid wins. Northwestern is overachieving. I don't think they're any good, wow. but they're massively overachieving more than any of these. The computer teams. screen says they're forty-two in Ken Palm. Yeah, what were they? What were they back? They were seventy in the preseason. Oh, were they seventy? Yeah. I, you know what? I Maybe thought they you just thought they were so bad. I can't <laughs> believe they were that high. Okay, all right, I stand corrected. Five point dogs tomorrow night on the road. So get this: they're, they're at Illinois. They're, they're the second best team in the Big Ten. They're catching five against a. Yeah, a meh Illinois team. Yeah, but big, an Illinois big, team without their best player, by the way. Here's big Ten home teams, though. Big Ten home teams, 62% ATS this year. Every That's conference game. Con- right? In conference in games. In conference, you just bet the home team and you win 62%. Well, so far. Not that's a future. good trend. <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. All right. That's why Illinois is laying five. So... I was. We got a new thing where when McKenzie's going to do some NBA, I'm going to think who did the worst job amongst these three, and oh, McKenzie shit. gets his mic, <laughs> and it was going to be AJ, but now it's Fez because of you trying to bring Northwestern because of the in. Northwestern. And I also that's, thought that's fair. I also thought it was interesting you threw in he lost the Iowa game. Mm. He didn't talk about your Super Bowl props. Four and seven. It took, it took us like, we spent like 40 minutes talking about them when you were conveniently away. And I purposely left Ohio State out of most disappointing conversation last Why? week. Why? I just didn't want you to be upset. Hey, listen, when you have as many titles as we have, you just you <laughs> just roll with the punches. I don't know. They won a basketball title in 60, I think I was. Did they? Time. Bobby Knight was on yeah. that team, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't think they've won. They've been in the title game like four times yeah. or something. Okay, so we're going to talk a little NFL. Fez, you get to stay, and then McKenzie can lumber on out here. Well, I don't think he waddles quite, like Terry Bradshaw was saying with Andy Reid. He goes, waddle on up here, Andy. <laughs> What's wrong with him? All right. I still, though, I've been buying a few things from the 70s, like uh, vintage magazines and stuff, because I want to see the way uh, betting was presented back then. And there's that Bradshaw picture, like in 78, when he's like, for some reason, he looks perfect in that uniform. Like the... The Steelers, the 12. You know, I still have in the package a Terry Bradshaw starting lineup action figure. Ooh. You want it? <laughs> Name the price. <laughs> Name the price. Well, what's it going oh, yeah, I should value. the price. I don't know. All right. We'll check. It's in the I, packaging. I might, but I would probably take it out. If, okay. if, what's he, I, I'm not one like, you know. I, I know it's, yeah. it's, Put him all, all his different poses. He's, <laughs> he's got his number 12. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, just, it's, a, it's picturesque. It's picturesque. Helmet's off, too. It's just like the flowing oh, hair. No, no. <laughs> well, it wasn't flowing. So he's holding, the, holding the football and. Going down the drain. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Holding the football and he's without a helmet? That's weird. That nah. is weird. Yeah. The helmet came off. ETAs, man. They didn't work that. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little NFL to wrap up the NFL. Then we'll do McKenzie, then best bets. McKenzie's going to be like six minutes. And that, it's going to be like the gong show. I never saw that because I'm too young. But something where they got to talk until the gong happened, then they were done. I like that. Not everyone got gonged, of course. See again, Fuzz. You were you were probably in college. Only at this the point. bad acts got gone. Is that, all right? Exactly. It's like fitty fitty. So he, yeah, so he can he'll last as long as it's good. What on out here? All right. So <laughs> all right. Let's talk about um, NFL, and I want to talk about the math or the dollars and cents, really. So yeah, this ca- is good. I think so. I think it's going to offer some opportunities. So we're looking at cap space. All right, now, over the cap does some good work, and over the cap talks about effective 
cap space. So what what drives that? Well, no, 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 no. He's going to go in Fezzix in a minute. Yeah, I'm saying that his cracks hurt him. As soon as the NFL ends, McKenzie will replace me for the NBA yeah, portion of this yeah. program. Yeah, AJ, you're staying. I'm I'm fine with that. I was I thought fine that would be... with that. I'm saying it's a reward. <laughs> okay, I, I thought it would be the easiest thing. I you won the Northwestern easy discussion. Is, we don't do easy. Okay, we do right. All right, here's the teams with the most effective cap space: Bears, Falcons, Raiders, Giants. By most effective, the most money. Yeah, well, effective cap space means if you don't have uh, 51 players signed, they assume you have to sign them. You have to pay your draft choices. So you know what dra- you know what you're going to effectively pay those draft choices because the slots and whatever. Right. So they're saying we're not going to give an advantage to teams that we know they're going to spend them. Like if you, if we say what's Fez's net worth, if you got a tax payment due tomorrow for fifty thousand. That fifty thousand is assumed it's not your net worth because you're paying it tomorrow. But effectively today you have it, so it's like okay, this is what we know they're going to have to spend. Very appropriate with April fifteenth looming. <laughs> looming. <laughs> uh, for someone that leans left, as you think you'd be, you know, love paying those taxes. Yeah. Is now what does that story tell us? Bears, Falcons, Raiders, Giants, Texans, Bengals, and then Patriots. Ooh, Bengals. And then there's a ten million dollar drop. So. One thing jumps out at me right now. Giants have to, um, Mr. Daniel jo- Mr. Daniel Jones has to be signed if he is going to be signed. Now, uh, Scott, I hear they're talking $45 million. <laughs> It's insane. Have you heard that? Yeah, I've heard it because he also, you know, got rid of his switch agents. Yeah, went from CAA. To- yeah, because he was apparently not happy with the way that negotiations were going. <laughs> and, and AJ and I joked, yeah, his current agents were like, Yes, we'll take any deal. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, I can't imagine. What say? Player empowerment? It's like some yeah. player agency or something, right? He wants more than 40 mil. And it's... That's to, insane. To me, it's what? insane. Absolutely. This is the problem with like guys playing... In their, like Him coming into this year, it was either you play really well this year or you don't have a starting job anywhere next year. I'd now, say halfway through the year that was the case. Now, he, he exceeded expectations, but now he wants to be paid like the last eight games or what he's done for the last four years. And that's just not how it's been. Like there's no way he could, I, I can't, I can't even imagine him with a straight face saying, yep, 45 is my number. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't have to say it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing with the agents, right? Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting because you know, the giants, if they tag them, won't do the exclusive tag. Mm-hmm. Cause they'll take two first rounders. Sure. Them. Someone's going oh, so, to party like a rock. Yeah, if someone's <laughs> going to go ahead and, and pay them. Yeah. Than- so, so I think in a weird way, this is if I, let's say I was Daniel Jones and I was skeptical of my own talent. Let's say I didn't believe I was a top level quarterback. I would be, I would come in and say, you know, again, agent, I'd say, yeah, let's take 36 times four. Right, and yeah, just a little bit more than what the franchise tag is. Yeah, so the or even that tags, time. Yeah, if yeah, the yeah. franchise tag's thirty-two, let's get thirty-five. I'll yeah. take thirty times four. Yeah. Big, big, you know why? Because times four is better than times one. I agree. So in a weird way, this is a sign of Daniel Jones having great confidence. Yeah, because he, he knows that they probably will franchise him one year. Misplaced confidence. Maybe, <laughs> gotta love it. Maybe I do. What makes or me more, someone's in his ear saying, you know, "Yeah." What yeah. makes me more pessimistic about his future is running was such a big part of it this year. How long does that last? Mm-hmm. You know, 
not just and his they, running, but you know, you know, it, it, I like your double meaning because how long is Saquon going to run like he did well, this year when he's always injured? Right? And, and they got if they pay Daniel Jones, they're not going to be able to pay Saquon. So well, I think they can go franchise on Jones, or I'm sorry, franchise, franchise on, on Saquon. Saquon's paying him like ten million. Yeah, yeah, the running back franchise isn't bad. Yeah, it's like ten mil. Yeah. So what you're saying, the Giants have all this money, but now they're going to have to lock up the exactly. running back and their quarterback, so they don't have all this so, money, so they don't belong on the list. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think the other team. That doesn't belong on the list, and and uh, I'm not sure if there's another team because the Bears they got the most, 88 million. Falcons have 50. Raiders have 30. Now the Raiders, that's it. The Raiders without a quarterback now, mm-hmm. they you know maybe they go with a rookie or something. If so, they're gonna have a lot of money. If they go with a veteran, it gobbles up the money. Would you agree that I mean the Bears and, because and obviously Aaron Rodgers would be a lot. The Bears if and we all have big questions about Justin Fields. But if Justin Fields does take a leap this year, the Bears are in a really great spot. I don't know if we all have big questions about Fields. I think we have questions long-term. Is he going to be an effective passer? I think well, that's uh, a big question for the quarterback. But, but short-term, as long as he keeps running, he's a good quarterback, right? They won three games. That's irrelevant. Still, they, they, what? They no defense. Still think they should trade him. Well, I mean, the hubbub is that's more likely than ever. Trade him and then you draft the quarterback number one. Reset the clock. What do you think they could get for him? Could they get something commensurate back with the 11th pick? Probably. No. I don't think so. You don't so. think so? No, because no, now you've, you've used up two years of his, his rookie deal. Mm. There's, not, there's no value in him now. Not, wow. Well, not no value. There's not, the, not first-round value on him anymore. Okay, can you get a two and, and more? But if you can't get – let's just say you can get a, a late first even. Yeah. That shows you his value's depreciated. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, well, like AJ said, his value is depreciated well, just because Herbert's, of the contract. Well, but Herbert's worth more than the number six pick right now, right? Well, yeah, because he's, you know. That doesn't Let me pose this to you because you're very good at this. Is Herbert versus the number one pick in the draft? It seems like that, that's I pers- comparable. I would take Herbert. Yeah, exactly, I mean, I exactly I where I'm going. Yeah. I mean, the fact that RJ said that should tell you something. I'm a realist. Herbert's <laughs> like maybe the 10th or 11th best quarterback. Would you give up three number ones uh, Can for you Herbert? save that for AJ so he can just play it over and over again to himself? <laughs> three <laughs> number one picks. Would you give it up for Herbert? Three number ones. Seems right. about right. To me. So you're saying the Trey Lance deal. Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. Huh. I think you're right on the We're border. We're in the right, yeah. Because, that, that, I mean, effectively, that's what they uh, – let's think about this. That was the Trey Lance deal, which was absurd. But it was also the Russell Wilson deal was three ones, right? So, at the time, Russell Wilson was considered young, you know, older, but still at the Herbert's level. Yeah. So, it matters how good you're – if you're a bad team to start with, I think you're less inclined to do it. Right. If you're the 49 you're going – but if yeah. you're a good team, you're going for it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I tell you this, whatever I'd give up for Herbert, I'd give more for Mahomes. I'd give more for Burrow. And I think I'd get, I wonder, would I give more for Hertz? I think I would, and I don't think I would feel that strongly until the Super Bowl. I think he showed he can win a Super Bowl. It's going to get hurt, RJ. I don't know, man. He benches, or he squats 600 pounds. How much do you squat, Scott? Not that much. That's what I'm thinking. And as soon as they outlaw this this took us push, uh-huh. you know, then they're not. He's not going to be as good. All right, the team that I got my eyes on, and this will be. In fact, we'll we'll start with our. We'll do our best bets, and then we'll do McKenzie for as long as it takes for him to bore me. Don't know about the future. 
That's anybody's guess Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed Buy up your pad and pencil I give you a piece of my mind Open order, open order <laughs> on the Falcons. I like the Falcons. There's a, Now, how do you do it now? I don't know. I think you wait. I don't think it's a Super Bowl bet. Though, again, they make the playoffs. You can earn. But, Faz, you take, what is 85 to 1? Yeah. 78 to 1, I think, was... Yeah, it's I, I just it's your theory that those payoffs, all the vig is built into those numbers, right? So if you blindly bet all the like hundred to ones, you're you're going to get back like twenty five cents on the dollar. That they should really be like four hundred to one. Most of these teams now, the Falcons maybe the, the seventy eight should be a hundred four. Yeah, you got a lot to overcome. Yes, um, I think division. I think over under win total as they emerge, they got fifty million on the cap. This was a team that covered like six straight games. They didn't have a good quarterback. Now, here's the sneaky part of it. The Falcons are big players potentially in Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Mm. But my what I hear is a hundred million they're off by. A hundred million Baltimore is they're apart. You like they had Mariota as a running quarterback. Yeah. Well, one, they ran, ran, ran last year. I mean, unless that's what their intentions are, why wouldn't they continue, especially if you could get Lamar? They've got uh, high picks. Their defense isn't great, but defense isn't sticky. Defenses come and go, man. I mean, to some degree, the teams that spend money on defense, it's always questionable. Pittsburgh spent the most on defense this year, and you end up being 9-8 and eight kind of team. Um, I like the coach. No one's thinking Falcons. I think division's your best bet. Because all four teams... Or, or over-under, whatever. Yeah, you know. I think all four teams in that division need are going to have new quarterbacks this year. So I don't know what any of these teams really are going to look like. We think whoever. Tampa's going to suck. I, sure. I think Tampa's going to the yeah. toilet. Okay, Carolina, I don't know what to expect. New Orleans, uh, I don't know what to expect. And But Atlanta seems like the easiest to predict what they're going to look like based on what we saw from their offense because it's not so dependent on the quarterback mm-hmm. position. And there is upside of Lamar, or they very easily could take Just, a elite quarterback. Or stay with Desmond Ritter. Or take an elite quarterback in round one here. I mean, what do they got? The third or fourth pick, right? Or you mentioned Derek Carr, possible landing spot, potentially. Yeah, maybe. I, don't, I mean, I don't, it seems like a last one, yeah. but who knows, right? You know, the Raiders need a quarterback. Maybe they should pursue Carr. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, if they didn't have Carr, Carr would be an upgrade. That's the way it yeah. always works. And one thing, I, I don't know Lamar, but I hear he wants to be in Florida. Like Miami, you hear Miami. Well, two is there. I don't think they, they don't have the resources, it seems like. But Atlanta's a lot closer to Florida. I kind of think Atlanta here. And or uh, what, what number pick they got, McKenzie? Um, last thing, because we were talking about that division. Here's the teams with the least... Salary cap effective space. Tampa Bay, Saints. So, to me, two of those teams, as much as the division. Yeah. As much as the Saints try to kick Mm. the can down the road, Uh right? And you got Carolina, who didn't have a great year. They're uh, 13 million of effective cap space. Uh, but what I'm saying is negative 13 million. So if all four teams need to find a new quarterback this offseason, one of them has a ton of cap space, the others have none, 
seems like you'd want to make a play on the one that has tons of cap space. And, it, and if that one team with the cap space decides to st- stay where they are at quarterback with Desmond Ritter, they can certainly surround him with talent with the money that they're able and to And if spend. they do that, in theory, they're doing it knowing him better than we know. Yes. Right. And I was high on New Orleans underperforming this year, but then RJ alerted me like, "Hey, you know they they're they're in they're in bad cap space." Well, they listen. Areas. They've been bad for years. They yeah. keep kicking the can down the road. It does feel like in some case you got to pay the credit card bill. But either way, they're not. I know Davenport. They're already talking about going to Kansas City. I uh, I can't remember who was saying that, but um, might have been the PFF show. But the the idea is they're, they're. I mean, last year they had to thin out their defense. The Saints. I mean, to some degree, the Saints. Well, right now, here's the cap numbers. Bucks are 59 million in the hole. Saints are 50 million in the hole. All right. And the Panthers are 13 million in the hole. And the Falcons are plus 50 million. I buy, I mean, think about 50 million. That buys you like two really capable starters. Really good. Uh, No, no. Really good. Three. I mean, think Mm. about it. Fez, 20, like the, like, like uh, Tyreek Hill was like 25 million. That's, that'd be two. I mean, what I'm saying is you can have two of the best players in the entire league or. Well, yeah. Like you can have Lamar Jackson and the best free agent wide receiver. You're right. Yeah, well, Lamar, yeah, I mean, Lamar is a big number. But, but again, he's worth it, especially if we can get an over f- six or over five and a half. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think they come out at? About 17 games now, so I think it's going to be 6.7. All right, give me that. If I can go seven and ten Over and six win, and a half, a little extra big. If Lamar goes there, it's a, almost a sure winner, right. right? And otherwise, I think it's probably a slight positive. They won pick. six last year? Is Atlanta? that right? I think six was. You like the coach, Arthur Smith? Atlanta won I seven. I do a lot. Oh, yeah. they won seven? Yeah. And by the way, think about the money See? that they have to spend. Well, look at, you know, uh, players that the, uh, the, the the Titans just released, right? Arthur Smith came from the Titans. Maybe he brings in Taylor Lewan to shore up the offensive line a little bit. And all of a sudden, now you're protecting your young quarterback or a Lamar Jackson. Uh, th- there's just a lot of ways this team can build with the money that they have and with the players that are available. There's 11 teams that have 8 million or more to spend. That's it. The other teams are all either, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six that are just above having a little money. And then the other ones, the other 15, there's 15 teams that are below this or above the salary cap, I guess you'd say. So, I mean, this is a year that if you got money, I think you're going to be able to pluck some players. And by the way, the Patriots are after. Well, the two last things I'll say is the Bengals are one, two, three, four, five. They have the fifth most cap space. That's crazy. And number six is the Patriots. So I would, I would, I'm pro Bengals this year because you're hearing, oh, it's time to pay these guys. Yeah, they're going to sign Burrow, but they can structure this contract any way they want. It, and they got 20, 32 million in space. Yeah, we talked. We were talking pre-production. The Bengals in the upcoming season are going to be like the Bills last season, where this was the last... I don't think they're going to get an old lineman and pay him a bunch no, of money. No, well, I mean, they might. I don't know what they're going to do with all that money. But the Bills obviously didn't do the right thing with their money that they had. Uh, now the Bills are in bad cap space instead of good. The Bengals have one more year before Joe Burrow being your quarterback starts to really cost you financially. Okay, so we got other best bets. Fez, you're going to give us XFL. XFL, let's go Thursday night football. Let's go to Seattle. We're going to play St. Louis, Seattle 
I like the under. I gave under 37 half to my clients. It's, 37 and a half. It's down to it's down to 36 and a half. That 37 is still a key number. So you move markets. AJ's just stayed flat. <laughs> yes, but I'm going for this podcast. I'm going first half under 17 and a half. I like every aspect of this. I won't go into all the great detail as to why the XFL is going to be higher scoring in the second half than the first half. We already saw that week one. Just generally this year. In general, yes. The three out of four games in the XFL went under in the first half. For the game, three out of the four went over. There's going to be higher scoring in the second half. Why is this? Uh, going for one, three. One of the main reasons is the— they can do that. Oh, at the end? The Nazgul Katorse, as I like to say. Hmm. The Nazgul is the nine-point option to go for, you go for three when you go for the 10-yard line. Um, in terms of extra points. Now, that's not nearly as significant as the Couture say. In the fourth quarter, if you trail, you don't have to like try an onside kick. You can take the ball on your own 25. You it's a 15 yard. Fourth uh, and 15, baby. So any team down 10 points in the fourth quarter should just go ahead and go for the fourth and 15 from their own 25 yard line. So in hockey, I, I catch wind of things. Supposedly, there's these teams that are pulling their goalie early. Mm-hmm. What what kind of effect? I mean, I'm assuming that helps the scoring. Yeah. So is that built into the lines at this point? Like the teams that are doing that, mm-hmm. are, they, are their totals going up? Yeah. Well, yeah. And and also it's like when you play, like let's say the Flyers, like John Tortorella pulls his goaltender early when they're down. It, you're you love playing the minus a goal and a half against the Flyers because you know you're going to have three and a half minutes of an empty net, not ninety seconds. Hmm. So this is a much purer handicap to play the first half under because craziness can happen in the fourth quarter. And in fact, when the team's playing St. Louis, they had three points late in the fourth quarter. They wound up finishing with 18 points because they got 15 in the final three minutes because of these ridiculous rules in the end game. So St. Louis is a team that couldn't think about this. They couldn't move the ball at all. They couldn't score. They get three points. Now they're on a short week. They have to travel all the way across the country to Seattle. The weather's going to be cold and miserable in Seattle. These teams all practice in Arlington. So there's going to be a weather factor. We talk about in the NFL. Mm -hmm. We lean under Thursday games, especially when teams have to travel. Well, both teams, Seattle, they don't. All these teams are are practicing in Arlington, so Seattle has to travel to Seattle also. So both teams on a Thursday night game have to fly all the way across the country, and and Seattle was in Washington last week, so they have to go from the East Coast back to Texas to Seattle, Washington D.C. Washington D.C. Yes, the capital. Yes, there's two Washingtons. Um, and if I look at Seattle's defense, they give up three point three. So the theory is the fatigue hurts scoring. The the I wouldn't say that, but the lack of the lack of preparation okay. time along with the, the travel, you lose a day because of the travel. So they you know, so they went from you think they went to wa- from Washington back to Arlington, yes, then to Seattle, yes, and so they're all they're all living in Arlington, yes. Hmm. So that Randy Mueller, who is uh, on the uh, athletic GM show, they call he's a former GM. He's the GM of the Seattle team. So it's kind of interesting. There's been a little insight. I mean, it seems like they're taking it pretty serious. I mean, you know, it's a professional league. I think they did a fantastic job. And, you know, one thing, the defenses are ahead of the offenses. So we, 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 we saw scoring, though. Three of the four games went over. A big part of it is that the defensive pressure. They is can't, that another mention of AJ's loss? They can't, went they, over? No, no. They can't block these guys. So what's happening, and this happened to Seattle. They were up 10. They were cruising to victory. D.C. couldn't move the ball. Idiot quarterback throws a pick six, and that goes ahead. Danucci. And so, oh, Danucci. Yes. Dominic. So that winds up uh, 
creating more phony scoring. Seattle's defense right. played great. Under. I love the under. Under first half, under 17. I see another reason. The line's moved, but effectively at 17 and a half, it's like it hasn't moved. Because what was yes. the first half? Like 18 and a half? Before? The number doesn't matter as much. Thus, you're staying above that key 17. Right. And 17 is still key. Teams are going to go for two, all right, after they score a touchdown. Always? Mm, unless it's Wade Phillips and Houston. Seven of the eight teams but have figured it out. if it's from the five-yard line, why that should be far less than 50% you make it. Right. But you only get one point from the two. So it's only worth half it, it, expectation. Well, can't you kick an extra point? No. Oh, you cannot. can't kick an extra no point. No kicking extra points. Are there field goals? So there are field goals. That's stupid. So what's going to happen that is— That is stupid. So 17 stays a key number because— Stupid. Because what's going to happen if you make if you make it from the five you get you get eight or you get six so there a six and eight and a three three I believe three of the four games landed uh, two of the four games in the week one why, landed why seventeen would, I like the idea of the extra point or or the two but why in a three even but why wouldn't you let them kick an extra point They don't like kickers but then why have a why don't have no field goals They. No answer. No no answer. But I will say the kicking rules in the XFL, bold prediction. The NFL will incorporate some of them. They're so good, including— Or the kickoff. The kickoff, right. The kickoff, the, you've got the lines basically sitting at the 20 and the 25-yard line, or the 25 and the 30 facing well, each be, other. Yeah. So what, what happens is the cover, coverage team is all the way down there. Yeah. The kicker's kicking from long distance, but then they can't move until the ball passes them. They and can't the, move until the guy catches Until the guy catches oh, it, oh, and okay. he must catch it between the 0 and the 20. If it goes in the end zone, it goes comes out to the thirty-five. If you don't get it to the twenty, then it's an onerous. You mean, when penalty. you say zero, you mean goal line? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the zero yard yeah. line. But if you but if you kick off to like the twenty-three, uh-huh. all right, it, it's actually a, a, it's it's a terrible penalty. The other team like gets the ball almost in, basically at midfield, so the kicker has to be good. Also known as the fifty. Yes. It, so it's a hundred-yard field. Yes. Okay. And you're undefeated. Yes. But you got how many plays up? Five this week. Wow. Bold prediction, winning them all. I'm bold prediction. You're not. <laughs> but I'm betting you do well because you're unfreaking defeated. We might as well say it a few times. All right. We got Scott Seidenberg up next. Now, Scott, when we were doing the trends earlier, mm-hmm. I thought you might bring up this little trend 114, 84, and 1. That sounds impressive, doesn't it, Fez? That's statistically significant. Well, that's his record this year in <laughs> hockey. Yes, I think it's it's better. I'm just guessing you won tonight's play. No, no, we lost. Nope. Blew a three nothing lead. What was the final? Four three. Excuse me. One fourteen eighty five. Yeah, and one oh, lost no. the game outright. You got anything for us? Yeah, I'm gonna go in the futures market since that seems to be like the theme. You know, yeah. AJ gave out the futures, and uh, I'm actually gonna play on the New York Rangers at thirteen to one to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Rangers' acquisition of Vladimir Tarasenko, who's mm-hmm. a Russian hockey player, played for the St. Louis Blues. Now he's on the Rangers. Uh-huh. Very good hockey player. I think I saw. Years old. I, I think I saw him. It was in that Kennedy movie about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. I think he was quite quite possible. Yeah. Uh, but ever since they got him, the Rangers they've shuffled around their lines a little bit, and it's led to an offensive explosion. They're playing incredible hockey. They have the reigning Vezina Trophy winner and Igor Shesterkin, who hasn't had as good of a season. What is this Vezina? The best goaltender in the league. You speak up. He hasn't had the best season like he had last year, but in the playoffs, you're riding the hot goaltender, and he's capable of doing it just as well as anybody else. They're four points out of second place in their division. I think, well, they're going to make the playoffs. 
They're one of the top favorites in the Eastern Conference. With this offense, with that goaltending, with the way that they play at home, I think they're absolutely a a good bet, especially at this number, 13 to 1, mm-hmm. to make to reach the Stanley Cup. Because I think they should probably be much not much shorter. I would say maybe 10 to 1 mm-hmm. is what I would have them to win the Stanley Cup. 13 to 1, I think you're getting a good number. So right now at circa 14 to 1, you can even get yep. these are the teams with better odds. The Bruins, the Avalanche, the Hurricanes. The Maple Leafs, the Lightning are tied with them at fourteen to one, mm-hmm. and then the Stars. Any of those favorites, would you say you'd fade? Like this is a team I don't, I particularly don't like at the current numbers. <laughs> Maybe the Maple Leafs because they always choke it. They always choke. Um, yeah, I think I would fade. Uh, Canada never wins, right? The not since nineteen ninety three. I would, I would probably, yeah. Toronto's just stacked. They're, they're on paper, they're the best team. Even though the Bruins have, are the best team in the league right now. But on paper, Toronto has the most, the star power, if you will. Out of that list, I don't like the Dallas Stars. They should not be ahead of the New York Rangers, uh, and I don't think the Lightning should be ahead of the New York Rangers. Lightning had an incredible run. No one's going to deny that. Their their head coach John Cooper is a Hall of Famer for what he's done with the multiple back to back to back Stanley Cups. But this the, the team has faded offensively, not as good. Vasilevsky, their goaltender, taking a step back this year. I don't think they should be ahead of the Rangers in terms and of that's the odds. fatiguing when you have to play their seven game series mm. so yes. often. Um, now, hockey is known for the highest variance, meaning you have eight seeds beating ones all the time. Mm-hmm. So, in general, if you're not playing the favorites, that's probably a good thing in hockey. You yeah. know, I'm not as anxious to play the chalk. There's the team, the team that you would absolutely fade on that list, by the way, is the Colorado Avalanche because they have no business being as high as they are as the favorite. They are up there because of. It's like I compare it to the Brooklyn Nets last year, where everyone, the Brooklyn Nets, despite not having a great record. It's potential. Exactly. Because, oh, when they get healthy, they're going to play like this. Or when things, you know, come mm-hmm. revert to the mean, they're going to play like this. This is a team that if the season ended right now, they're on the threshold of missing the playoffs. Jeez. And they're the second favorite. Correct. Wow. All right. But that's because everybody in, in the Western Conference is kind of jumbled up. So... They win three games in a row. All of a sudden, they're first place in their division. But they lose three games in a row. They're not even in the playoffs. Mm, So I would. They do not belong as the second favorite. Scott Seidenberg also on SOVAM. Check it out. We can only delay so long. And he's not here. Is he in the restroom? No, he's walking out. The Tonight Show, when they said... Yeah, usually the walkout. Are, yeah, yeah. They, somebody in the back taps him on the shoulder before the walkout music plays, though. I don't oh, think anybody tapped McKenzie. He was in the green room. Is that where the free free food is? Yes, yeah. All right, McKenzie, let's, let's do a good performance here. You got three over-unders you like in the second half. I like some of these plays. Play number one. Let's go with the Washington Wizards over 39 and a half. They so you might want to put your mouth. Yeah, you want to speak into the mic. This is new for <laughs> the Washington Wizards over. So right now they're 28 and 30. And to go over, it's 39 and a half, right? So they have to go 12 and 12 in the second half. Yeah. So you're saying pretty much it's a smidge better than they've gone. Why? 15 of the 24 games have been are going to be at home, so advantageous schedule. But I think just the trend line is what we're looking at here. The last 30 days, you know, they've had Beal back. They've had Christophe Porzingis playing his best ball in a while. They've been the seventh best team in the league by net rating. A lot of teams in the East might start tanking. I don't think the Wizards are. Well, so who's going to start tanking? 
Because right now, that's something we were looking at. We got the Spurs, we got the D- Detroit, we got Houston. Those are the three that are the three lowest, and that's uh, they all got a 14% chance if it ended now for the number one pick. Yeah, and the Hornets are the next team out. They uh-huh. have the 12.5% chance. I'm sure they would love to have that extra bump. No of doubt. So when, when is, when is Char- how many times does Charlotte play the Wizards? One second. And do we have a strength of schedule assessment for this stuff? Because I do think when you're looking at 24 games, it's important to think, hey, do they have four games against the Bucks? Do they have, you know, is it against the Bucks when Giannis is out? Or let's say early after the All-Star break? A lot of factors here. So what do we see? So the Wizards have, they're 49%. The opponents are expected to win. That's the 10th. Easiest schedule remaining. They don't play the Hornets, though. All right, so they're supposed to win 51% of the time? Yes. Okay. If they're an average team, yeah. If they were an average team? Because their opponent's average win percentage is 49%. Okay. So if they were an average team, and they are 28 and 30, that says they're pretty much an average team. Yeah, but I think there's a good reason why the last 30 days is what... So you're saying the the premise here is they have about an average schedule, and they are perceived to be an average team. They need to win an average amount of games... Thus, you believe they're a little better, they're a little underrated, there's the value. Yes. All right, Washington over 39.5. Next up, you've got the Utah Jazz going the other way. Yeah, Utah Jazz, they were expected to win 23 games this year. They didn't get a big signing. They didn't get any new players. This is the same team that was expected to win 23 games. They gave away all their players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they have a— uh, Oh, they trade, got great trade. Danny yeah, Ainge, but, but for future assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of memes on the internet of Danny Ainge looking at the coach like, what are you doing? I need okay. you to slow down with the winning. <laughs> and I think the last— So three, what's the trend line? Last three days, they haven't been good. Let's see. Uh, I got it. Last three games? Last 30 days. Oh. I look at two weeks, 30 days, and year to date. Thank you. Uh, they're 21st in the league. 26th defensively. There's no good defensive players on the, on this team. Wait, wait. The 21st yeah. in the league with what? Net rating? Net rating. All right. So you're expecting them to go 10 and tw- they have to go 10 and 12 for you or worse. Yeah. So they can't win more in 10 games of 22. So that means they you're saying they're going to be slightly worse than average, and that sounds right. You're saying because t- 21 is is more than slightly worse than average. Yeah. Ninth worst team in the league last 30 days. But what, like right now, where would they be in the like tanking for what? Like the ninth pick, maybe? Is that I mean, is that kind of where they could go? I don't know. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean that's that's the bump up, and there's one prize asset, Victor Weminyama. A one in a hundred extra chance is something that every GM would be derelict in their duties not to consider. So that all the teams should try to lose that aren't in the playoffs right now. Even if you're in the playoffs, you might even consider it. But yeah, generally. Somehow I think that doesn't. Somehow those guys never see. When's the last time a guy like that really has done anything special? Oh, I knew Fez couldn't stay away. Just talk. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Fez. Well, I just think that a lot of Utah's competitors, like the Lakers, et cetera, have every incentive to play. LeBron even said, every night I'm going to be out there balling. LeBron says a lot. Well, so those, so those teams, even though they have comparable records, and Utah has a better record than the Lakers, the Lakers feel they have a legitimate chance in the playoffs. All right, and they've made trades to say they're going for yeah. it. So, um, what is the uh, expected win percentage of the opponents at Utah? Uh, they have an easy schedule, forty-eight and a half percent. All right, okay, third game or third team. Uh, and the, this team's playing tonight, Thursday night. Oklahoma City Thunder is going to go the opposite direction. Right, by the way, it's Wednesday. This is uh, the listener's mind. We're taping Wednesday for Thursday. So you're saying they're playing this evening, not tonight right now, but saying on Thursday night. Yes. Go ahead. 
And I think the Thunder are in the exact opposite scenario. This is a team that's been the fourth best team by net rating the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. And last two, last couple of years, they've faded so hard, unbelievably so, in the second half. Shea Gillis-Alexander, their best player, said at the beginning of the season, I'm tired of it. And he's played like he's scoring 30 a game. His numbers and 88 Jordan numbers are the same. They're the same numbers. I know scoring's mm-hmm. up and all that stuff, but he's having a ridiculous season. So six titles in OKC. <laughs> Coming up, six titles in OKC. But no, but Shea Gillis-Alexander's playing like a top 10 player, and he has, uh, you know, he knows what he wants to do. He wants to make the playoffs for the first time in his career. Scott, what do you think of Shea Gillis-Alexander? Yeah, huh? <laughs> S- <laughs> SGA, we call him on the NBA. Shea Gillis-Alexander. It sounds like Victor Sisterkin. <laughs> You guys see Mike Sandoz's new so, list? So what you're saying, what you're saying is these are trend line plays. Generally, yes. And Fez, shout this out for us. Do you think the market just is? I mean, it, these aren't super liquid. So you figure uh, maybe it's simple enough to say, hey, on the season this is the case, but in the last. 30 days, there's something different, but the market's not really accounting for that. Yeah, spot on. I think the market's taking a look at their year-to-date average, maybe a little strength of schedule without any um, projection based upon how good they currently are. All right. So which one, let's start with AJ. Which one of these is your favorite? Washington uh, over, uh, Utah under, or OKC over? Utah under. It hasn't made sense to me all year that Utah's been winning. They've got no incentive to win. They basically so you're like you're rooting, you're betting against the, like the bad news bears. Yes, let yeah, them they, play. Let them play. They set no. themselves up to lose all these games, and they've won more. I, I don't understand how they keep winning more than expected. Don't it's, you remember in Major League when they say, "I guess we got to win the whole effing thing." <laughs> Utah's not going to win <laughs> the whole effing thing. thing. There's no way. So <laughs> I, I like his Utah under. What you got, Scott? You, which one of these? Anything? No, it's, uh, there's only one thing left to do is win the whole. <laughs> what, what about you, Fed? Yeah, I love the Utah under. That's a team that somehow was above 500 for like the first two months of the season. And I've been paying attention to Utah just slowly playing a little bit worse each and every month. I don't like the Utah. And here's why. I think this team has established, hey, we're good. And then you're slowly having their identity taken away. And I think they're going to resist that. I think some of these teams are going to be comfortable fade. They're going to do the slow fade. I think his Utah team resists it. I don't say I like the other way. I'm just saying I don't love that. I like the uh, OKC over. Maybe I'm an optimist. But I think this team has been tanking for years. I agree. And they're so good. It's like they can't. They, it's like a dog on a chain. You can't hold back. <laughs> and I think at some point now they're not really in it for uh, the number one. pick. I mean, you know, barely in it for the number one pick. They don't need any more picks. Well, right? remember they'll they've basically got a number one pick coming yeah. back next year. They, yeah, on bad knees, but yeah. who knows? So I like OKC over. But there we go. Thank you, Mackenzie. I'm alive. I'm up on the season again. You're done. You're done. All right. We're ready to wrap. What you got? Anything to close, AJ? No, sir. I think he did all right. I think he was strong. Strong. Besi- besides so the Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, Shea Gilgis Other than that, the info was great, in my opinion. So you're saying he should be a writer? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Behind the scenes. Yeah. He has a face for radio <laughs> and a voice for being a writer. You know what, man? I, I I'm going to keep saying this. mackenzie has been a, he's been great on Straight Out of Vegas AM. He's a great addition for us. Maybe like, it's all. Maybe relatively, he fits right in. I think so. <laughs> like you didn't know if that was a cut down. I, I think it was, but I, I'll take it. I'm, <laughs> no, all right with I'm it. teasing. All right. Anything to close? No, I I agree. Mackenzie has been strong. All right. 
Fez, you you won't say anything good about anyone. <laughs> SGA is going to become part of my vocabulary. All right, so next week, now we got to decide, guys. Are we going to start doing Tuesday night, Wednesday release? That's how we do in the off season usually. Uh, do you want to wait a week for that? I mean, or do you not even want to do it, Fez? What's your vote? I I think in general having a longer tail on the pod is a good thing. Uh, meaning that come the weekend, it gets a little stale. So giving them Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is better than just Thursday, Friday. But what do you think? I'm flexible as long as we can wait two weeks. All right. So you're saying next week, Wednesday, taping, Thursday release, the week after? Or we got to wait two more weeks? You see, March 7th, I can't go Tuesday. Okay. So and remember you, and now, you can't go either because you've got possible basketball yeah well i would uh, so march 7th is a basketball now remember when the tournaments when's the tournament start the the following week the fifth because that we we do it like sunday no we do yeah yeah, 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 yeah. we do do the monday taping for the thursday games and the tuesday taping for the friday games. so start march 13th all right so next week it's thursday morning again soon after we'll go (laughs) to the um off-season nfl schedule and fez take us out hey hey Be careful out there. Method acting, everyone. Thank you.